What's happening, John? A cut above horror review. It is episode number 67. We are talking about Donnie Darko from 2001. Yeah, it's Heidelberg's pick. And we got our good buddy coming back for a second time. Jim G Baby from Waxing the Porpoise podcast. So thank you to him for coming on. And uh, we're continuing Horrors of Halloween Month with Donnie Darko. So give it a listen. Find out what we thought about it. So here we go. Episode 67, a cut above horror review. It starts right about now. Cut my life into pieces. Good evening and welcome to A Cut Above Horror Review, a podcast where we review all things horror. I'm your host, Jacqueline, and tonight we'll be discussing the film Donnie Darko from 2001. But first, let's meet everybody else on the show. First up, I'd like to welcome back a special guest that we haven't seen here in a while. It's our old friend G-Baby from Waxing the Porpoise podcast. How you doing, G-Baby? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks, Jacqueline. Thanks. Thanks, you guys, for having me back on. This is a, a special treat, and I'm, I'm psyched to be able to talk about uh, Donnie Darko with y'all. Yeah, I'm psyched to hear your thoughts about it. So nice to have you back. It's been too long. Awesome. Yeah, thank <laughs> you again. And next up, we got John. What's going on, John? Hello, Jacqueline. G-Baby, what's happening, man? It's been way too long since we ha- had you back. And then uh, the next guy we're going to introduce, I'm sorry, my Padres beat your Mets. Oh, pff. man, you just had to stick that in there, didn't you? I, 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 <laughs> that's what she said. I'm so, yes. hey yo. <laughs> hey yo. Hey, right. oh, oh, you're talking to me? I'm, I don't watch baseball, so I didn't know you were talking to me. Oh, My bad, bro. And last but not least, we got Hyderberg. What's going on, Hyderberg? What's up? That was a strike and a miss, John. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's anyway. what that said. Yeah, oh, shit. They're not my Mets. I just yes. don't call another team. <laughs> Somehow, John, I don't think he cares. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't think so either. He doesn't Damn, look. I guess I'm not going to get that Mets tattoo I was going to get next week. <laughs> uh, G baby, I'm fucking super stoked you're back on the show, though. Um, I've Ever since it follows, I've been wanting to get you back on. And now that you have your own show, I know you've been a little busy. And congratulations on your show, too, man. It's awesome. Absolutely. Like I was telling yeah. you guys before the show, I, I pumped you guys into my eardrums for like two weeks straight catching up <laughs> on that show. And I'm really enjoying it. And I'm even enjoying uh, Steve and his opinions on film or lack thereof. Yeah. Yeah. He, he grows on you like a, a wart. I, um, just, I just love hearing him. G-Baby <laughs> will go, hey. You know that guy, so-and-so, from that film? You know that film. You've seen it, right? And then we all know that Steve's only seen about five or six films. And we're waiting <laughs> for it. I know. I'm like, G-Baby, why do you always set yourself up for disappointment? And G-Baby's like, what? You never saw Raiders of the Lost Ark? What? Yeah. And I can hear you. Part of what makes it ground. entertaining is, uh. like, the rage that it, it it bubbles up in us as listeners. Yeah. That we're just like, <laughs> what? Yeah. So it's part of the fun. Yeah, it's it's part of it is me. It's like 50 50. Like, I know I know he hasn't seen anything. But the other the other half of me is like I get lulled and I start talking about something like, oh, yeah, it's he's from this. Oh, you've seen this. I just mm-hmm. I totally get blinded by the fact that he hasn't seen anything. And it's funny because then now he baits me and he'll be like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I saw that. And he's then I'll be like, no, I didn't. 
Yes. I'm like, of course, of course you haven't, you asshole. But I, I feel pretty productive with the uh, just I mean, just doing the cast in general has been fun, but also like getting him to watch stuff and then also hearing him talk about stuff and like and it's kind of like a spark, you know, in into these films that he probably would have never thought about twice watching you know so yeah and i'm actually pretty shocked that my track record is so strong with my recommends like i it's i think it's over like 85 percent like uh enjoyment rate right now out of like 20 plus episodes so yeah it's been really cool to uh to do and stick with and fun hobby and i mean a lot of people i'm not breaking any new ground but like keep it's a fun way to keep in touch with a friend cross country and like having uh you know a topic a set kind of thing that we're gonna we agree to we're gonna come and talk about and it's just a ton of fun and i've i've had a i've had a great time doing it where can we find you uh anywhere you get your podcasts just type in waxing the porpoise to the internets uh or we're on all the main social media um Instagram and Twitter, actually, really. Um, and then, yeah, anywhere else you get your podcasts, we're, we're on there. Spotify, um, iTunes, all that good stuff. Just so we're all clear, that is a euphemism for jerking off, right? <laughs> I mean, kind I of. That was obvious. <laughs> I thought so. I was just making sure, yeah. Kind of. And I haven't really gone into, like, the reasoning. It's kind of like a non sequitur name. But I actually, it's because I misremembered it wrongly from uh, the movie Van Wilder. When call call Penn, the guy from uh, Harold and Kumar, yeah, yeah, he's 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 talking to Ryan Reynolds and he's telling him why he wants to be his aide, and because he's never been laid before, he wants to get in the game and everything. And I always remembered it saying, "Hey, he goes on this big rant where he wants to get laid, and he uses all these different euphemisms." And I thought for the life of me, he said, "I want to wax the porpoise." <laughs> meaning i want to get laid i want to fuck yeah and uh but i watched it again after we'd started the podcast just to like that part and he says i want to park the porpoise oh, so i God. had remembered it completely wrong like and so parking the porpoise is more sounds like you know you're you're getting your fuck on whereas yeah. waxing the porpoise yeah we're just jerking off which i guess is pretty much true uh in a metaphorical sense that's what we're doing so well, and check out g baby's new podcast called punching the clown oh man you stole it <laughs> you took it from me john from rob zombie oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I got it. Oh, oh, nice. that's his next movie. The clown. <laughs> ring a ding ding i like it <laughs> There's so many good ones. Flogging the bishop. Well, that was oh, in the faculty. There's oh, too many. It? There's too many. We we could do a whole podcast just about euphemisms. Yeah, that part in the faculty when Christopher McDonald finds Elijah Wood's porno and he rolls it up and he's like, "Sorry, sorry, sport. No more flogging the bishop." <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got it now. Oh my god, the chess reference. Okay, all right. <laughs> there's a likeness there i have to say but anyway so gbb i give you all the credit in the world for a great podcast you really manifested that and like you said you should be proud of yourself for putting something good into the world you're like exposing your friend to some movies that are that he can enjoy at least most of the time um Mm -hmm. i'm very impressed with your success rate 
and um, and you're just putting something good out into the world that listeners can enjoy, and it's fun for you. So I I'm I'm pleased with it. I'm proud of you. Awesome, thank you. That that really means a lot coming from you guys, especially. And I mean, I I think I said this before too, but you guys have me on for uh, it follows way back on episode thirty six or thirty seven or so. I mean, that really was like uh, an impetus to you know, pushing me into the next phase of it because I saw how much fun it was just getting together and talking about, you know, movies and horror specifically in in this realm. But uh, yeah, it was just a ton of fun. I was like, yeah, I got to fucking just at least try. So uh, otherwise I probably would have just kept on making excuses and like, <laughs> oh, okay, maybe next month when it things are going to be a little bit easier, I don't know, I'll, I'll try to hit, hit the go button on it. But yeah, you guys having me on was like, was definitely integral in, in getting that off the ground too. So I have you guys to thank for that and, and bringing me on and, and showing me how much fun this can be. So well, thank you. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you. Cause that was one of our best episodes. I think um, yeah. that was a, you were, you were great, especially for never having podcasted before and your insight on that movie was fantastic. Mm-hmm. So it, it, I think it was good for everybody. And you had that, you had your podcast I'm not like worthy. weeks after it was crazy. <laughs> So I was like, yeah. oh, he must have he had some work going already on this podcast that he like two yeah. weeks after our show, you were like, boom, here's my yeah. new episode, my first episode. I was like, good for him. Yeah. I, I had been working on it for like a while, but like, yeah, there I always found some way to like procrastinate. And but yeah, like that sometimes all it takes is a smart a spark, you know, like some catalyzing thing to like make you jump into action. And so that's what well, it was. We're glad you did. We're glad you did. So we're fluffing each other. So that's all. Yeah, I'm. Okay. Okay, we're I'm, waxing each other's porpoises. Yeah, <laughs> we're punching I'm each getting... other's clowns. <laughs> well, let's save something. We don't want to blow our wad before Heidelberg's return later. Way too late, Jack. Let's slow it down here. Uh, right, the, sorry, I, I'm done. The level of euphemism and entendre right now is reaching critical mass. It's reaching critical juvenile level. Yeah. I'm leaving. I'm going to go take a nap. We can talk about this later. Okay. Well, what do you guys say we move on and hear a little news? Absolutely. Uh, I, I was going to do one story, but uh, I, I did want to give GBAB his time. Uh, so I cut one out. VHS 99, the trailer came out. Uh, it's coming out on Shutter next week, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sweet. Did we all watch this trailer? Mm-hmm. I did. GB. Yep. I- yeah, I did. I'm psyched for it. All right. Okay. Go ahead. Expound upon that, please. Um, I guess I don't want to talk about it too much or because I don't really remember like piece by piece when you put me on the spot, but I did like, I mean, it, it, the trailer is kind of pretty quick and, and yeah. choppy and I, th- I think they didn't give a, a whole lot away, but um, along with like the most recent one, uh, VHS 94, I feel like they got a full head of steam coming off that right. and uh, everything about it looked good. It looked, it looked creepy. It looked pretty fast paced. Um I was actually, I don't want to step on your news either, but did you also see they just announced another VHS mm-hmm. as well? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, what year is yeah, that I one s- going to be? 85. That's got David Bruckner on it. A couple other. Yeah. Names, I can't remember them the all, thing but... about, yeah, the thing about that one was like the, the uh, directors that are each filming a part in that one. That's what caught my eye. There's some yes. fucking heavy hitters on there. Absolutely. Uh, Scott Derrickson. Ooh, oh yeah. That was yes. one of them. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, 
yeah i thought that that kind of it kind of felt on the heels of like you know ty west him doing his thing with x and uh maxine and uh pearl the other one is pearl i was like this is weird is this like a new like trend like people are gonna like you know have projects and have stuff built up on the back end and just like rapid fire you VHS has been out longer. And the thing is, is that this is becoming a franchise. So that was my initial thought. It was like, this is going to be a dope franchise. It was, you I'm not going to say the new nightmare or the new Friday the 13th or Halloween or whatever, but 94. It's like a new creep show or something like, you know, that kind of. It, 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 it's like it's modern not age. Bad. No, it's not. I mean, so VHS couple- 85, is that going to be number six in the series? It will if be. I'm do- if I'm yeah. counting right? Yeah, yeah. actually, yeah. I don't count three, so it's going to be the fifth one, I think. You got to count three. Oh, God. You get, yeah, the yeah. viral stuff. <laughs> you don't have to like it, oh, but man. it's part of the franchise, <laughs> yeah. whether you like it or not. Yeah, that'll be the sixth one. Well, so, some people don't like Halloween three. Who are well, those? we'll yeah, who save are that they? discussion for maybe <laughs> perhaps later in the month. But I mean, that's the that's the longest running like anthology franchise I can think of for sure. Like, I can't think of any other oh, yeah, anthology films that have six films in the franchise. And it's all coming. To yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it's all yeah. Coming to shutter. I mean, like ninety nine is coming to shutter. What next Friday? I think I'm stoked about that. I didn't know it was coming so early. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because it's definitely October. and We're almost halfway through October already. Yeah, Jacqueline, change your pick for the end of the month. Do what now? Change your pick for the end of the month. I'm just oh, I'm, no. I'm, I'm, okay. so, no. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> I think if if anything that COVID did was um, it slowed down some films and pushed some films back to that. Now, you know, we had one year where it was kind of barren. But right. now this year it's like been stacked full of, especially for horror. Yeah, films. it has been Fuck a yeah. glut. Yeah, it's an embarrassment of riches as far as like I've seen so many things in the past month just in the theater and streaming. It's ridiculous. I still got to see Pearl, though. You do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm having anxiety because I there's no possible way I can keep up with everything. So there's a lot that's getting by me right now. Mm -hmm. So it makes me grouchy. (laughs) You need some like Google Glass so you can watch horror (laughs) films while you're taking care of the kids. Oh yeah, that's yeah. sounds like responsible parenting. I'm on it. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, I'm looking forward to VHS 99. Um, from what I could, t- G baby, you're totally right. The the teaser trailer was very choppy and it was very quick cut, so it was a little hard to tell. It was it was hard to get a grasp on anything really. But did um, they play? Uh, I'm sorry, Jacqueline, but okay. did they play like like some boy band like in sync or something like that. No, it was Auld Lang Syne. And they slow down Auld Lang Syne, the New Year's song. Oh, yeah, it's like right. It's supposed to be like on the eve of Y2K, right? Oh, so okay. Nine, okay. Two, okay. Or two, I almost just said 2099. I'm smart. Uh, <laughs> 1999 moving into 2000. You know, there was all this panic. And uh, they show the grandma or whatever wearing the 2000 glasses. Yeah, and, yeah. So it was like it was like the New Year's song. Okay. So maybe is one it- of the segments or even the wraparound is going to tap into some of that Y2K anxiety. There's like a Timo style looking one. I don't know that Timo did one, but there's definitely one that looks sort oh of POV God. style. Fucking God, I hope Frantic. Timo did one. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I don't know who directed, who busy. any of the directors are for 99, but the one for 85 that jumped, 
that jumped out were all the the directors they got on for that one. I was like, whoa. Yeah. So the uh, the things that kind of stood out in the in the '99 teaser trailer for me were so, there seemed to be something about being buried alive. Yes, and, that one that one got me too. Yeah, and then there was one quick shot of a person lying flat on a table surrounded by candles and there were three hooded figures or maybe more, but a few hooded figures standing behind the table. And it looked like some kind of a ritual or sacrifice, or maybe even, I don't know if you guys even know this, but do you know, like light as a feather, stiff as a board? Yeah. Yeah. From the craft. Well, I mean, it's from before that it was like a slumber party game. Like my, like we would play in the eighties. Oh, you Um, right. Someone levitate, right? Yeah, that was the idea. I mean, it never worked, but the idea was that like you could, you know, with enough people, you could lift your friend with just like a couple of fingers underneath their body. But so I don't know if it was supposed to be like a ritual or like a kind of witchy game or what, but um, it looked it looked intriguing. So those were the the shots that stood out to me. Yeah, that could be a that could be a cool VHS segment, something occulty, something witchy, like maybe Y2K, like panic occult doing weird shit that would be cool oh yeah that would be rad john <coughs> what's your next story man uh last story is uh five nights at freddy any gamers here i've never played them i've never played i'm aware I'm of it with them, though, yeah. via my younger cousin it's coming out as a movie uh let's see emma tammy is directing coming out uh late next year didn't they make that already with uh, Nicolas Cage? <laughs> no, that was what was know, that? So... With Willie's, Willie's, yeah, Willie's Wonderland. Yeah, that there was, you go. It? And then they made that Banana Splits movie too, which was pretty fucking hot garbage. You seen it? Yeah, shit, uh, I saw that too. Yeah, that was uh, yeah, gory. It was not. It was not dope. <laughs> I really did not like Willy's Wonderland either. I thought it was fucking stupid. Yeah, but it was Nicolas Cage. I mean, come on. How bad was it? I mean, the only enjoyment I got out of that was how hard they committed to the bit of him not talking and him crushing those like grape sodas like clockwork. (laughs) It was almost it became like absurd to the level where I was like, okay, that's kind of funny and a really stupid absurd way but i thought the rest of the movie was terrible i couldn't stand while it I was, mad. Playing, uh, I was mad yeah he was playing Aww. a pinball machine while he was doing that right mm-hmm. or some sort of video game or something like that it was yeah crazy. between like mopping like the, the most disgusting bathroom you've ever seen in your life that was like the whole movie him cleaning inter- interspersed with like rage killing of robots and then chugging grape soda so bad. I I didn't see that one, so I don't know. It kind of sounds like maybe not. Go ahead and time. yeah, don't. Oh, don't we're covering it. it next week. So no, don't pick it. Then I'll watch it. Don't pick it. Don't pick it. Okay. Uh, you guys want to? I just I googled the directors in um, VHS ninety nine. You guys want to hear? Yes, yeah. they are. Yeah. I'm going to preface this by saying I haven't heard of a single one of them. Uh oh. So I'm a little alarmed. Like, uh oh. So there's Flying Lotus. Oh. That's a that's a director. Maggie Levin. Tyler McIntyre. Johan Roberts. Joseph Winter. And Vanessa Winter. Any of those ring a bell to you guys? No. 
No, but you know what? I feel like it's not, not that at alarming all. because I feel like the first VHS, a lot of the people were on there were sort of unknowns too. Mm-hmm. Uh, they weren't oh, no, I'm not judging. I'm just kind of like, wow, I yeah. feel like a bad horror fan. I don't know any of these people. Yeah. The McIntyre one sounds a little familiar, but sometimes mm-hmm. it's hard to place a name without knowing mm-hmm. right away what film they were on. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, anyway, maybe, just wanted to cool tell you guys who that was. Maybe that'll be a, a jumping off point. Yeah. For for some up and coming directors. That's kind of cool. Watch. We've covered like a film by each of those directors. And we, <laughs> uh, we stuck at our jobs. God damn it. We, we, we lost our horror cards. Yeah. yeah, we got we got to do some remediation here. All right. Well, let's move it along, fellas. I want to I want to start talking about Donnie Darko. How about okay. you? Yeah. yeah, let's do it. All right. Hydroberg, this was your pick this week. Why'd you pick it? I picked this film while we're doing Halloween movies, and this does have a tinge of Halloween to it. It's based around the holiday or the calendar month itself um, of October. Um, and this film has always stuck with me since I've seen it. Um, I saw it in like 2003 at home. And I don't know. I've, I've, I've seen it several times since I bought it recently. And um, it was definitely one I wanted to have G baby on. Uh, so when I penned it in the calendar, I was just like, in the sheet, I was just like, we need to get G baby on for this one. Cause I figured he would have something great to say about it. And this might be up his alley, but yeah, this film's just always, it's kind of a special film. It's, it's really different. And uh, I don't know. I've always liked it. So I cool. stuck it on for Halloween because I thought it'd be something different than picking your, you know, trick or treat or mm-hmm. something really Halloween related. Yeah. No, it's so cool. It's a little like it's, like, it's like indirectly week. Halloween, but I mean, yeah. it's definitely there. So that's yeah. that's cool, man. G baby, is this is this a film that you particularly like? Uh, yeah, I do uh, a lot, actually. And it is it's. I would even say a little bit stronger than sneaky Halloween. Uh, I feel like it's got, it's got good Halloween vibes, but it does call out. There's like a Halloween, uh, like either like, uh, like talent show or some Halloween dance. And then they have like a Halloween themed party towards the end too. And it takes place in the month. So I I wouldn't call it a straight Halloween movie, but it definitely fits right into that, uh, that, that period. So, uh, but yeah, I, I saw this probably, 2004 i think it was like my first year of college and this was big and that's kind of how i heard about it through word of mouth and um i remember having the dvd of this and i fell asleep to this quite a lot like it was a really soothing movie for me like i always remember waking up to like the the uh the title screen of the dvd would be replaying and uh so yeah, I've seen this quite a lot. Um, Maybe you were sleepwalking and didn't realize it. Uh, uh, don't get me started on that stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like this film a lot. Uh, I, I got the director's cut when it came out, and like it, came, it had like a pamphlet, and it kind of walked like walks you through like the whole time travel theory and like the uh, the uh, the different the tangent universe and the primary universe and the living receiver and the manipulated dead, but yada, 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 all that stuff. So that was, I, I got sucked into it for like a, a time period where I was like very into like uh, the lore and like, cause it, it was like, you know, 2004, I was like 20, 19 or 20. So I had never seen anything qu- quite like this before. Um, 
so yeah, I, this movie has always stuck with me and I'm glad I, I get to uh, talk about it. I'll try not to disappoint, but um, there's, there's a lot here for sure. Mm-hmm. Sure is. Yeah. And you could never disappoint. So don't worry about that. All You're right. You're too kind. <laughs> well, Hyderberg, since this was your pick, you want to decide first whether it fucks or sucks? Absolutely. Uh, this is a fuck that loops through time and then mind fucks you again and again. <laughs> That's true. That is that is quite accurate. Johnny, what say you? Nope. Let's go to uh, G baby than you, Jacqueline. I'm gonna go last. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, yeah, this is for sure a fuck. This is like a a Groundhog Day fuck. Um, yeah, this is. Uh, it's a great great film and uh yeah i don't have any other i don't have a funnier anecdote i didn't come prepared <laughs> for what kind of fuck it was it's an awesome metaphysical fuck there you go awesome. outer yeah. body fuck yeah man <laughs> yeah i say it fucks too it's uh it's it's a weird one it's a weird fuck but one that you keep thinking about afterwards yeah. for a long time to come that's for show johnny yeah. This is a fuck that you wish you would have had in the past because this could have been the love of your life, but you ignored it. So it is. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. John, it's like the was one this who your got first time watching this movie? No. Oh, uh, okay. I thought this was like an oblique way of saying that this no, was, no. <laughs> you wish you'd watched it earlier in life and this was your first time. I, I, I watched it, but I didn't get appreciation to it uh, for it until after i watched it recently oh this is the one that got away yeah you were like oh god i could have had this my entire life but Mm -hmm. (laughs) i had her and i didn't appreciate her and now it's yeah yeah she white the white buffalo she is the one that got away (laughs) it does fuck though by the way okay well okay good (laughs) all right johnny you want to hit us with that spoiler warning and then we can have hyderberg's reach around Absolutely. We'll be talking about uh, Donnie Darko from 2001 in its entirety. If you have not seen this movie, pause the podcast, go watch it, and then come back to find out what we thought about it. All right, Hyderberg, get your wax ready. Yeah. There's some porpoises here that need to be waxed. <laughs> I've clumsy. never reached around a porpoise before. I feel like they're slippery. <laughs> or clay <laughs> punched. Yeah. Buy me dinner first, huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right. You ready? Oh, yep. So ready. A boy who finds himself walking in his sleep has trouble mastering the art of counting sheep, an entity in bunny form. He comes to finally meet his sanity. He truly doubts in therapy. He speaks a boy is plagued in pain. He can hardly bear until a dreamlike state. He meets his creepy hair. This distorted rabbit reveals his name is Frank in 28 days, six hours, 42 minutes and 12 seconds. The world is going blank. A boy wakes up and knows this is not a prank. Frank essentially saved him from his doom. For on that night, he walked up out of his room. Then in the night, his family heard a boom. A jet engine fell and crashed right through his room. He meets a girl, falls for her, then pays the final cost. For before this girl and her love, our boy was truly lost. Now he's found on solid ground, but can't shake that something's off. A puzzle passed through time he struggles to unlock. A ticking doomsday clock. As the days on the calendar begin to disappear... A boy must make a choice between what is love and what is fear. As Frank speeds down the road, incapable to steer, he swerves to miss death, but towards love his car adveres. 
Then in the blink of an eye, Frank loses his life for running over what someday may have been our boy's wife. It's then that everything falls into place. Our boy has finally learned the level of the stakes. He trades his life for those that he holds dear, gets back in bed and laughs in the face of fear. Through the motion of death, he takes his final breath. Now his life was meant to sparkle. The boy that died that night, his name was Donnie Darko. Yes. Holy oh shit. My nice, that, was my dude. that was my favorite. That, that was, was damn good. <laughs> damn good. Yeah, man, that was, that good, was like a new shit, level. Man. Jack Hurt, episode 100. That's my favorite. <laughs> okay, I'm making a note. I know that's a spirit one I dropped a couple weeks ago. It's pretty good too. Oh my god! But it would no that that I read this one to myself as I was trying to get the cadence, and I was like, "This is a fucking banger." (laughs) (laughs) I don't normally say that. I'm not really like nervous, but I'm like, I just need to nail this one. I'm like, how do I put in the time? Oh my god! That that Frank says, "I'm like, is there any way to get the 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 numbers in there?" I was like, I got to just try and slip it in. This movie was so fucking sad. Oh my god! It is a sad movie. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Talk about that, John. Uh, it's just, I think this movie really relates to nowadays. Like everybody, or are people that going through mental health issues? Yeah, it, it really relates, or or, or actually it does relate to what's going on now. It everybody, does. It and it's like, man, um, Jake Gyllenhaal kills it in this movie like the whole cast kills it in this movie but jake especially was so good in this movie it it Mm -hmm. was like 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 seeing seeing him go through this like oh man it was sad it's like a coming of age story in a sense in a you know like with an 80s lens to it but then it's also this like it's not metaphysical it's like teenage angst yeah, well, yeah, teenage angst that. is a good. Yeah, that's a good description. That. Yeah, I mean, you actually see that, you see him going through that, mm-hmm. and the girl that that uh, oh, what's the girl's name? Uh, yeah. Jenna Malone. Gretchen. Yeah, Jenna Malone. No, 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 the other girl. Uh, um, oh, shut up. Yeah, I who? forgot her name. The one who's what? like, shut up. Yeah. Oh, uh, isn't it? Uh, Tan? I thought it was Tan. Jolene. Was... Jolene something. Yeah, I think it's Jolene. Something. The one who likes Donnie. Yeah, yeah. She's got a crush on Donnie, and he tells I mean, her. She's got like bullying and everything. It's like this movie can relate to. Yeah, today. and you have like overzealous, like religious people trying to ban books and tell people yes. how to how to parent their kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, while they know nothing really, they're really the ones in the wrong. Like you should live a little bit and like loosen up. And I have a fucking crush on Drew Barrymore. She's yeah, so, so do I. Yeah, it's a bit part, but I love her in it. And Noah yeah. Wiley too. The whole cast is really like it's really amazing. Cast is fantastic. Casting Jake yeah. uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal as his sister was like perfect. Like yep, the times that they spend together, just the times like spent around the fit, like the table, like the dinner table. Mm-hmm. I thought it was like so good. And you could tell this family they have their issues. Like Donnie's you know, got mental issues possibly and they're dealing with that. But like overall, like they're still a pretty well-knit family. Mm-hmm, the dad's mm-hmm. like, like his relationship with Donnie, I feel like is really, you see glimpses of it and he's like non-judgmental towards no. Donnie with everything he's going through and just very supportive. I'm glad you pointed that out, Hyderberg, because in a lot of these teen angst movies, the parents are kind of, they're often kind of the locus of yeah. the like 
the rage that the kids feel because they see all they see like hypocrisy in their parents and kind of like a a detachment from from what it's like to be a teenager and they feel misunderstood but in this movie his parents are actually pretty cool and pretty sensitive and understanding it's like it's like the rest of the outside world that's really fucked up and it's kind of of like fueling his discontent Right. You know, they, they both go to the psychiatrist and just saying, what can we do? You know, yeah, I mean, even Donnie's help. relationship with his mom, it's strained. Yeah. But, you know, she truly cares for him and his well-being. Mm-hmm. And she's just, mm-hmm. you know, she's at wit's end. Like, I don't know what to do. I want my son back. You know, I know yeah. that he's off and like, I don't want to pressure him or push him in the wrong direction. But she's just she wants it. She'll do whatever it takes. Yeah. To help him I, out. I think she was really a standout character. And I love the moment when he says, how does it feel to have a wacko for a son? And she says, uh, it feels wonderful. Yes. So such a yes. loving response, like such She's a loving and accepting tears. response. That's like, that's good parenting. Well, she, like, looks, she looks him right in the eyes and just says, wonderful, you know, yeah. and, and not threatening of like, like you're weird or something like that. It's like, yeah. I still love you. Yeah. yeah. And the like fact that Mr. Mr. Roadhouse is the pervert in this movie. Oh, God. So a little backstory. Uh, I saw the documentary today and like, you know, like that fucking motivational uh, school video that we've all <laughs> seen like videos like that when we were younger. Right. And school, mm-hmm. they, like they nail that thing. And in the late 80s and 90s, they have videos like that. We would watch all the time. They were so cheesy, so cringy. And so they yeah. filmed that like on Patrick Swayze's uh, ranch. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. And, um, I don't want to step on any trivia. No, no, no. That's it's I, it doesn't belong to me. Like the stuff that the the clothes that he's wearing in it, where he's doing like karate and stuff in the background in front of kids. That's all his 80s gear that his wife saved like she brought it out and they didn't oh, even shit. use real costume oh, she had his old clothes from the 80s that's amazing yeah and getting him was like a big get they were like really they were like what actor wants to take this role to to be a pedophile like right wants to really play that and he was perfect <clears throat> yeah but the, i mean i think any 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 savvy or half intelligent actor or audience member will see that this is a satire and that it's like a a criticism of the horrible things that people can do. And it's like, I feel like one of the main themes of this movie is that like adults, like when you're a kid, you kind of expect adults to have a handle on things and you expect adults to be stable and you expect to be able to look up to them. But the truth of the matter is like adults are just as fucked up as kids. We don't have anything figured out. We are not stable and it's a scary way for teenagers to be entering adulthood, like with the realization that adults are very imperfect, which and, they, and we don't really have things figured out. Right. The, the music at the very end of the movie is like perfect for that to show the imperfections of being an adult. Right. Mad world. Are you talking about yes. mad, mad world? So, is that what and, that was? Yeah. And yeah. What it plays. Oh, God. It was the so way it sad. Plays, we're jumping to the end, Such but it, the way it plays is like everybody's waking up that night after Donnie's died. Right. And it's like, <clears throat> like, Jim, I know you're going to touch on the tangent universe or whatever, like um, tangential universe, whatever you're saying. I know there's uh-huh. a lot of lore behind, behind that, but just like you could tell it, they they feel something as if like they remember part of that 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 week or so or month that they spent, you know, where Donnie's touched a lot of these people's lives, whether good or bad. 
Mm-hmm. And they wake up in the middle of their sleep or they're up and they just like notice something. And then that music plays. And it's one of the best pieces of music placed in a film yes. I've seen yes. in, in my life, to be honest. Like, so I, memorable. I feel like everybody who ever sees that mem- remembers it. And that's what yeah. sets up why you think it's so sad too. like the story sad, but then that music just hits you too. And you're just like, Oh my God. Like, I thought the cinematography was awesome too, because there, there was these fast forward scenes like through the school. I love it. Throughout, mm-hmm. the, throughout the movie set to tears for fears. Oh yeah. To get off the bus. Dude, that's like one of my favorite parts of the movie. That, and the opening with the echo and the bunny man song, the bunny, as he's yeah. biking back, like the, the from- killing moon. Yeah, yeah so yeah. perfect. So good. So, side note, I went to go watch the director's cut, and the movie doesn't start with that version. No, it starts really? with a different song, and I instantly, I was like, I can't do this. I was like, because the film I know, and really, like, I had to change it only because for my review, I wanted to watch the one that I know really well, and yeah. the music hits me a certain way in this film. It's a huge part of this film, the music. Yeah, and I was like, I just can't do it. I, I'll <clears> watch it another time, or if G Baby watches it, he could tell us the differences. Yeah, yeah, I actually did, and I got a hot take. It's like I actually think the NXS song is better. I, yeah, I like get the for NXS my money. Song originally. Well, in the version I watched, it's that's what it is. So they yeah. maybe over the yeah. years when they re-released or something, they got the rights. But yeah. that's the... what happened. That's they, oh, they okay. added they added other stuff and kind of did just added some okay. scenes and had different music for the so-called director's cut. Yeah. Although, um, what's his name? Richard Kelly. Yeah. Name, the writer and director. He yep. doesn't really think of it as a director's cut because he thinks that the original theatrical version was great. Like he doesn't have a yeah. problem with it. So he doesn't think of the so-called director's cut as a true director's cut. Sort he of just thinks of it as it, like believe, a right? what? By the studio. I think they asked him to put this uh, cut, a uh, director's cut together for. A yeah. Re-read. So he's like, it's more of like a special edition or an anniversary edition or something with just like some extra yeah. stuff. But he's not like, this is my preferred version. That's not. That's not yeah. the, the, the vibe with it. So. I love the soundtrack in this film. Yeah, the soundtrack's awesome. <coughs> so uh, one of the that Sorry, uh, du- that Duran Duran song when they do Sparkle Motion, Notorious, uh, yeah. dude, I love that song. That 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 the Tears for Fears song, the NXS Love Will Never Tear Us Apart. I really like that a lot. And I actually like going back to the beginning. There's a there's an interesting part. Uh, in the director's cut when uh, Donnie's riding his bike and he's back, he's out of the Hills and he's back into his neighborhood. There's a part that syncs up in the song. Love will never tear us apart where the line is our worlds collide. And Uh, that's right when that happens. Donnie Donnie's driving by Frank in the red car. Yeah. And that comes back around at the end when he sets off everything. So I really liked that. But yeah, watching it, like I've seen it a ton of times, but seeing it this time with the NXS, I was like, I love the Echo and the Bunnymen song for sure. But uh, this time watching it, I could also see, like, I really liked the NXS song too. Uh, Going through the intro and the dad's like chasing off Maggie Gyllenhaal with the the fucking leaf blower and like, and it's in slow-mo. You don't know what yeah. she's doing. She's like probably asking him for the car keys to go out or something like yeah. that. He's just like, it just gives you a glimpse at like their family dynamic. Mom's yeah. reading it by Stephen King. Yep. Well, the mom's that's got a lot of parallels. Yeah, mom's yeah. the alcoholic though. Because she's always drinking wine, or she always has she's a glass a, of wine. Urban mom who likes to drink wine. I wouldn't call yeah. her an alcoholic. I, I don't know if I would call her an yeah. alcoholic. I don't but, think that's um, really like 
highlight. She struck me as the kind of woman who was like either like a real estate agent or an art dealer or something like that. Like they never really talk about what she does for a living. Right. Like, right. No, I don't think so. Uh, yeah, she's definitely loose. The whole the movie scene ends on the, the fridge and it's got the whiteboard and they, someone wrote like, where's Donnie or has anyone seen Donnie on it? Yeah, he, obviously his sleepwalking is like a common thing in the family. They're aware of it. So, right. yeah. So you guys were talking about the ending a few minutes ago and, the, you know, the music and everybody waking up. Um, I wonder if it's OK with you guys. I kind of want to get back to the end. Cause I feel like there's a lot of pieces to put together in this movie. And there's a lot of stuff that you can like pull apart and try to, you know, figure out and chew on. So since we already kind of touched on the end, I was wondering if we could talk a little about interpretations of the ending. All right. You want to skip the potatoes and chew. Let's go right to the steak. Yeah. Why not? What the hell? European style. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) Ah, European style. Oh, I, I got one thing, but just before we get off the topic, how you were saying, um, like, uh, you know, the parents have to keep every they have to keep this facade going like they know what's going on at, at all times. And like how scary it that transition from, you know, you know, late teen to early adulthood and realizing, you know, not everyone's got it figured out. And like there's a in the deleted there's a deleted scene. It's really short, but uh, it's it's. I wish they would have kept it in the theatrical because I feel like it endears you to Donnie's dad even more. And it, I, f- I feel like it plays up their relationship just a little bit better, but uh, I I uh, talking about. his dad's having like a cocktail. He's outside and Donnie comes in and he sees his dad sitting there. He's like, Hey, take a seat. And he's like, he's like, I think this is after the um, psychiatrist had said, I think, you know, he has, he's a uh, schizophrenic yeah. um i think the dad recognized that and was like wanted to comfort donnie so he has him sit down and he's like he's like you know all these people um you know they think they got it figured out and and he's like it's all bullshit he's like you know he li- taking a peek behind the curtain like no one's got it figured out they say they do it's all bullshit and he's like and you know what you say to those people when they get in your face and they tell you what's what and he's like you say fuck you and they have a nice little laugh and like he they they connect it's real short it's like 30 45 seconds maybe but speaking to what you were talking about Jacqueline I thought that that was like a perfect encapsulation of that and it 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 was just enough to show you know that he cares about his son and and instead of just being like you know background scenery or like an npc just watching all this stuff happen yeah i like that a lot i wish they would have kept it in the the original because it was yeah. so short too i never yeah. well now that you described that i wish that was in there too, Me it's too. Like, that sounds like a great moment yeah the one thing yeah. is that i never got the vibe that the parents discredited donnie at all like throughout the movie yeah. like, like no loving towards him yeah. right i think this was just a little it just added a touch more even this therapist, I, I thought pretty, was welcoming, pretty open. Like he admits to some stuff that she could have ran to the authorities about, probably. Right? Like I don't know what the yeah, like talking about uh, admitting to flooding the school and yeah, burning and down the those things. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, she was pretty. She took the uh, doctor client confidentiality pretty serious. She did, and like he was reaching down his pants. That was actually a very powerful scene of like. He's reaching down his pants and then like like clapped twice and then all yeah. of a sudden he woke up. Yeah. It was yeah. 
whoa, uh, uh, what was going on here? <laughs> Jack, well, you want to touch on the, the numbers or like the actual ending or like what the numbers mean? The countdown? Well, I was thinking more. Well, kind of. I mean, I was kind of thinking like, you know, I, I have my way that I interpret the ending, but I don't know if you guys share that it, when I was doing some reading online it sounds like there might be some disagreement about the ending so which there I had not previously been aware of I was like oh I just thought it was this way and so I'd like to hear what you guys think is going on in the end like is like did Donnie like was it all a dream is he really dead like well did he really he go is... back in time like you know what do you guys think he is dead like he in the end, I took it as like he he figures it out, like to the point where he knows that he kind of goes back into bed. He sees the wormhole over his house. Right. I don't know how many other people can see that, but yeah. he studied enough to realize what it means. Right. And he kind of just I feel like he he goes along with it. He's like sacrifices himself to save Gretchen, ultimately also saving Frank and his mother and sister, too, because they were on the plane that lost an engine. There's no way that plane probably just landed. Okay. Like it probably crashed, but um, in that world that they were in, but, um, and then he just sort of faces his death, I feel like, and comes to grips with it. And ultimately kind of saves the day as like a superhero, like Gretchen says, what are you Donnie Darko? What are you a superhero? And he's like, how do you know I'm not like (laughs) sort of, um, (laughs) I think I, I thought that, that was pretty obvious at the end when you see the mom like waving at Gretchen on the bike. I thought that was it's pretty like they funny. knowingly know each other without knowing each other. They sure. have a, a right. sense of everybody sort of does. I kind of feel like so Heidelberg, I interpret it the same way as you. Like I I think that he dies. And the way I take the the Gretchen mom moment is that they've like when everybody's waking up, I kind of I've always read it as like they're all waking up from having dreamt about Donnie like that you know we saw it really play out but like when it goes backwards they dream it and so they they wake up and think that it was all so I think like the Gretchen that Gretchen and the mom like recognize each other from their dreams that's the way I always took it I don't know if that's the theory is though that like the wormhole that create it creates like an alternate timeline where Donnie got out of bed right and he lives his life and then affects things right while he's alive and other people's yeah. lives and stuff like that. And then yeah. those people that... are reverting back to before that timeline broke, but they're remembering a little bit. Like they have like almost muscle memory of it still. So why does Frank have the mask? Well, Frank's a person. He He's dating I, Donnie's I, sister. He I, creates Wait, that can I say something real quick? Please. Yeah. Did you guys recognize Yeah, he's the, the actor... nipple guy. Yes, he's the ice cube on the nipple ice guy. Ice cube on the May. nipple guy. I have it in my notes. Ah. <laughs> This movie was made like right a year before that, I think. Yeah, uh, that was like maybe. 2002 oh, wow. I think, or 03. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I was like, that's Nipple Guy. It was. As soon as I saw him, <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, it's Nipple Dude. It's hot ice here. cubes I can rub on my nipples. Ice cubes. I could, yeah. <laughs> but um, I know. So, Jim, you you've, you know a lot about the, the different timelines, right? Like the. Yeah. And uh, I mean, there, the thing about this movie I like a lot is it's open to interpretation. There's a lot Absolutely. of different rabbit holes you can go down. Rabbit I think my nice pun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, honestly, I think my my favorite uh, interpretation of this film is more 
one of face value after you know i've i've read a ton of stuff and and you can go hog wild on the internet and even i mean if you watched the director's cut and like the um the pamphlet that it came with that richard kelly like he he built like this whole like background lore to the film too where he spells book, out you can like, actually read parts of her book yeah and in in the the director's cut i saw it was like two hours and 44 minutes so it was the director's cut plus it added all of the deleted scenes in oh that's why you said it like, was so long yeah thir- it, so it adds like 30 minutes of all the deleted scenes so it's like the oh, okay that makes sense omnibus you know version of it um but that one it actually it has it's kind of sporadic the way they do it, but they do before different acts, they'll have like chapter one, the artifact. And then like through, and then they'll actually flash uh, excerpts from that uh, philosophy of time travel. By and they, so the artifact Fair. is the engine. Right. right? Yeah. yeah. And honestly, I don't, I don't want to get into that side of it too much because part of me thinks it's a little pretentious Uh and I, I, I like the theatrical cut going into it, not knowing what all these things are. And then when the director's cut, when you, he spells everything out and gets you into like what the water bubbles out of the people's chest mean and like water and metal and uh, like uh, the manipulated dead and the manipulated living uh, uh, Donnie being the living receiver, all these kinds of things like I think that's like, that's really cool if you want to like nerd out on it, but I don't think that that's part of the syllabus that you need to like walk into the movie and enjoy it. Um, because some of that stuff too, it gets, it, it gets real weird. And even Hattie. even, yeah, even now half the time I'm lost, just trying to think about it, just being kind of like stupefied by it is enough for me. Just being like, wow, that's fucking out there you know like what does that mean but i guess like real quick uh like the the main tenets of all this revolved around a tangent universe and a primary universe and so that is created after right right when the engine or like right when right before the first engine falls and misses donnie because he's out that that creates a split and then there's two universes going on and then so the film that we watch takes place in the tangent universe or the fake universe and it goes so donnie has a choice in that too like he can go through all this and he can do nothing and then the world ends because something with the the artifact or like the jet engine it can't take it he has to he has to return the jet engine primary universe or something in order for the primary universe not to implode upon itself which some of that kind of throws me off because it's like well why did the tangent universe spring into existence to begin with that's one thing like i have the hardest time even now and through all the research i've done it's like why what is the catalyst for that that kind of but which is the problem with Frank? I mean, Frank is a, a guy that was drunk and then ran over his girlfriend. And he's like the harbinger to Donnie, you know. Like I, I get that, but I mean, it just makes zero sense at the end of the movie where you're like, "Oh, he wasn't the he wasn't the harbinger. He was just the guy that like got drunk and was like, what are you doing doing in the middle of the road or whatever.'" Yeah, and I don't so think it was actually about that, Frank though. talking to Donnie. Almost it was like Donnie's subconscious creating Frank. 
based right. on maybe the loop of time like he, what, knew and he, looked at, he, looked, he looked at the he looked at the mask and then like frank was holding his eye and he he shot him in the eye and that did so donnie was the guy that created frank so this is he the cre- he shot frank after gretchen dies in the tangent right, but but you also see frank in the movie or, or in the movie theater when they're watching evil dead uh, like, yeah. yeah yeah his eye is like well, yeah, those are the visions that Donnie's been having of Frank. And we're led yeah. to believe that possibly that his medication could have been causing it. But it's actually from what I read, it's, it's a placebo. But it's mm-hmm. all, yeah, but there's there is a link, though, between there, like, this delusion that he's created and this real person. It's like a character yeah, yeah, in his yeah, life. So yeah. my question doesn't is, realize like, why? Though. Why yeah. are those two things linked? Why does his mind choose that as like the symbol? Yeah. It's yeah. never really explained. Yeah, the Frank character at the end of the movie is like just this you know dipshit kid that got drunk and ran over his girlfriend i'm wondering if because they share that same moment together where like gee baby i don't know if the end of the world means the end all be all end of the world or if it just means the end of like donnie's world right that's what i was wondering too gretchen's world you know that's that night because that's that's what the countdown kind of builds to right like Mm -hmm. uh, yeah that is the end of the world that Donnie knows, like he loses his the love of his life. He shoots a man like he, the repercussions of that night would have ended his world almost. You know what I mean? It, it, so, and it's it even more sad, though. Yeah, no, it does. It's it's sad. And at the same time, it's like Donnie decides to do the right thing. He he comes to he matures to the point where he's like. You know what? Like my life's not as important as all these other people's. In my yeah, life. exactly. Right. They be the- happy. That's my point is that it was that much more sad that he did that. <laughs> and he's like a kid who doesn't know what he wants to do. Right. In the future. Sure. And then at the very end, he comes to grips with like, I'm OK with this. This is my future. I'm yep. going to die. Mm-hmm. And he laughs at death, you know. So Boy, wait, this. can I can I try to clarify some of that with you guys? Because I'm getting myself confused. Um <laughs> Which which one of you is getting confused? The, the part that <laughs> I don't. Dude, I don't even know. <laughs> um. So I'm gl- so I'm glad you asked that question about like is there is there like an actual apocalypse coming or is it just the end of Donnie's world? Because I, I, I wrote that same Donnie's question world. down. I wrote that same question down, but like almost didn't ask the it. World like, that oh, he they're, knows. they're gonna think I'm stupid, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but really, it's like how we keep saying like oh Donnie like kind of becomes a hero because he chooses to sacrifice, but like. How much of that does he really choose? Like he doesn't cause the wormhole. He doesn't cause the aircraft to go through the wormhole. Like he doesn't even know that the the jet engine. Well, I don't. Or does he? Like, does he know that the jet engine is going to fall once again? Like, does he yes. know time is going to rewind? And does he place he does. himself? Does he place himself in his bed, knowing that that's going yes. to end things and prevent all these later events from happening? He, or is it he, just like? Oh, I hear the thing coming. I'm just, I'm already in my bed. I'm just not going to. No, because when he drives off with Gretchen's body, he kind of goes back to like that overlook. Right. And then I think he thinks for a minute for a while with her body in the car. And then he, he comes, he comes to the idea of like, you know what? If I go back to my room and because he saw the wormhole and like he's like, if I just stay there this time, like I can write that. Or at least he has a theory that like things can be different. But like, why does he know that that's looks the moment? It. But why does he know that that's the moment we're going to go back to? True, but well, part of the, what the, he reads in the book too, I think, is 
he reads a lot in the book that they don't tell us he knows. Like he doesn't right. tell us everything. Like G baby, like I don't know what the director's cut, but there's there's stuff that you can see the actual contents of the book, and it describes a lot of the stuff that's going on in the movie that we never get to see. It it expands upon that the theory of like yeah. the back the tangential world or whatever the primary world. There's you also know, theories that Donnie is like a a metaphor for Jesus Christ, like a Jesus Christ type of um yeah, symbol. like the solar the solar allegory. Yeah. He's like the and, the sun. The star child. Sure. Yeah. But he sacrifices himself for the other people, even though he doesn't necessarily. Hydroberg, my argument against that is that this is going through the wormhole even before he sees it. I mean, this is like 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 previous to this could be looping through the wormhole for all we know. We don't I I get that, but I mean the, the way they set it up was very inconsistent or or had no continuity to it. It's sort of open ended to the point where, like, I don't think we're able. You're not. You're not supposed to really be able to be like, all right, this is A to B and C. And yeah. Like, you're really not. I don't think you're meant to. And that's fine. I mean, but, but that's a problem with the movie, though. Is that that? Well, is that a problem, or is that a deliberate choice where it's like they chose to leave things ambiguous for people to be able to speculate or project whatever interpretation they felt like? Yeah, for but me, Jack- it's one of the things I love about the film, but I can see it as a negative as well. Yeah, but Jacqueline, and then that was a negative for me. It's okay. just like, okay, so it's like going through this wormhole, and then all of a sudden he get back, he, he gets back to his bed of like reversing time or or reversing everything that had happened in this previous movie. So it's like, what? <laughs> maybe maybe this will help too for a little bit more context. And this is kind of one maybe not a gripe I have, but you have to go outside of the movie to like understand this and find this stuff out. But so it goes even beyond him, like seeing a wormhole or like, you know, timing it to like, Oh, I got to get back home for it to kill me and me to sacrifice myself. He actually is responsible for it. He takes the jet engine from the other universe and he brings it in and he creates that wormhole he drops it on purpose that's what that's what the director's cut and like uh some of the stuff online and like in in the it's in the book but it's not given to us in any form director's cut or theatrical cut yeah but yeah it talks about like water and metal and the those are the conduits you know and and being able to manipulate those and it talks about too like yeah uh donnie has you know superior strength like superhero powers and like they comment on that in the movie when he hits that mongrel statue with the axe they're like how the hell did this happen it's solid brass like there's a couple points in there where it points to the fact that he like and when he sets fire to cunningham's house you don't actually see him strike a match or anything he throws gas around and then a a wall of flame comes up like did he just conjure that so uh, there's some things in in outside of the film that are in that philosophy of time travel that it, it posits that he actually makes that happen specifically like he makes he's closing the loop. And one of the more interesting theories that I've seen online, too, is how this kind of harkens back to like uh, Groundhog Day. Mm-hmm. So he's like he's done this maybe a dozen times, maybe twice, maybe 50 times. And that's why some people are like at the end, he's finally laughing because he finally, he's got the formula down to where he, like he can get in, he can get out 
sacrifice himself and everything goes back to normal and he's happy about that that i, well, that been, I like that mind. that would have been awesome. <laughs> like, to me that would have made this movie that much better i mean honestly it would have been like to know that wow i mean <laughs> you're like I mean, his knowledge of Smurfette and the Smurfs tells me that he's led this life several times. <laughs> Dude, that is a very Groundhog Day scene. <laughs> it, it really was. It was like, yeah. they, they wear white pants. They don't have It's the perfect stoner teenage conversation yeah. that one would have getting philosophical and into a complex conversation about. In season one, episode two, Papa Smurf does this and Gargamel does that. Yeah. So wait, G-Baby. Who is it exactly that posits that Groundhog Day theory? This is just, this is something I saw on like Reddit, like theories. And it makes sense too, going back to like Frank and um, like, because throughout the movie, he's being followed by this totem, like this Frank character. Mm -hmm. And you can see like, he's already got the shit that's happened to his eye. And so it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like you get to the very end of the film, all these things have to happen he shoots him. Then he has the wound in the eye. There's Frank that there's all that significance with Roberta Sparrow, all that stuff. It's like, he's had to have, that's had to have happened at least once. I mean, already when that for happened. then so, go ahead. So, sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, I, I feel like it, that all that has already had to have happened once for then Frank to be this figure from the beginning telling Donnie what to do. And he's kind of going through the paces and flooding the, the school and like, you know, setting fire to the dude, like all these things. I, to me, that's the most interesting take on it. Like that he's, he's been in, it's not just that there's a parallel universe split and there's something that needs to be corrected, but also like a time loop uh, mm. component to that makes it a little bit more juicy energy too like his own his own like fate right like right what he's supposed to do what other people their line or whatever they call it that like that bubble coming out of them yeah mm-hmm. and they touch on like he's like uh the noah wiley's like well if that were true like then you would have a choice to be able to negate your chosen path mm-hmm. which just having the choice itself in and of itself would cause this universe to implode upon itself and then he's like, but not if you stayed in God's channel. channel. So that's where people are like, he used, he's, however it is, it's not explained. He's able to tap into this God's channel and manipulates like the uh, artifact to come through. So Donnie actually put the ax into the, uh, yeah. the monkey's head. At, yeah. He's like a bulldog or something. All right. Yeah. That a weird that's a funny that's a funny that's a tangent too that uh i wanted to touch on so the the school mascot they're called the mongrels yeah which there's a bunch of different definitions which it's like a mixed race like dog like a mutt dog but another uh term is it's a derogatory term for a variation that is not genuine something irregular or inferior or of dubious origin so I thought that's funny when Jim Cunningham comes out and he's like, hey, good morning, you mongrels. Like he's talking down to all these yeah. people. He's like beating them over the head like he's got the secret and like the whole fear and love dynamic while he's like the super, you know, he's Random a hypocrite. He's, yeah, exactly. I thought that was fu- that was really an interesting choice, like that the school mascot was going to be the mongrels and they're like talking mm-hmm. down to, you know, 
all the students and the 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 faculty and the parents Mm -hmm. so so like the end the end scene where not the very end but the accident um the reason that frank veers out of the way is lady deaths i mean um grandma death is in the middle of the road and if you look in her hand she has the note that donnie put in the fucking Oh yeah, and, and that, 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 that one's like caused everything wow. in sense too. She's holding yeah. the note. That's yeah. Wait, yeah, say it again, what, if she, what if she knew that that Donnie put in the mailbox? Donnie, yeah. Put, yeah, he put a note in the mailbox, and, and she, then they went in the cellar. Yeah, so he must have put the note first. Then they decided to go to the cellar for some reason. And then when they came out, yeah. those bullies, those bullies, by the way, total cooters. Yeah. Yeah. Mullet, Seth Rogen. Dude, don't yeah. say, say that about Seth Rogen. Come on. <laughs> I mean, can you I hate his, his character. Can you defend I his hate character? Him too. No, I can't. I can't at all. It's terrible. <laughs> they were cring- actually, the, what were you going to say? The cringiest part is earlier in the film where Seth Rogen goes up to. I like your they're boobs. They're like, hit, yeah, I like yeah. your boobs. That's what I was just going to say. <laughs> the dude's like, the other guy, mullet guy's like grabs her her arm or waist or something. He's like, did anybody ever tell you how sexy you are? Yeah. And then, yeah, Seth yeah. Rogen just comes up behind like it's a smooth movie. Just like, I really like your boobs. Well, at least he didn't say boobies. No. And yeah. they're also doing... That'll be far worse. <laughs> Who would the say Fears moment, they're doing coke Who? in the fucking hallways of their school. Yep. They're in the slow-mo scene. Oh, I, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> what the, fucking school is this? And the principal also, looks over and is like, in slow-mo going... Whoa. Yeah, he turns. It's like, how does he not just see him taking a huge ass key bump? I yeah. kind of think maybe he does see it, and he's just like, ah, fuck it. There's a lot of <laughs> yeah. correlations. We got to do it in slow mo. Uh, uh, there's a lot of correlations, from what I understand, too, with some of the books that they're reading in the English class, like the Destructors or the yeah, yeah. oh yeah, mm-hmm. the flooding. Of Who the is Graham Green? He's an author. Yeah, he's a is real. He? Author. Yeah, he's a real. That's a real person and a real story. Okay, all right. I, I like the way they. It was very derogatory towards Grant Green, like later in the movie. So I was like, "Well, well it's kind of the classic advantage. example of what we see nowadays with mm-hmm. people objecting to certain material in literature without understanding any context or satire that's involved with it, yeah. like." Like Kanye West. Sorry. You just just really wanted to talk about that, didn't you? (laughs) I had to put it in there. Sorry. But like Like um, Drew Barrymore says, she's like, it's meant ironically. And she obviously doesn't. Exactly. Right, right. So a lot of times these people who, sorry, I don't want to get on a soapbox, but these people who challenge or want to ban certain books from schools or libraries, the common mistake that they, well, there's a lot of mistakes wrapped up in that kind of thinking, but I think the first mistake that they make is they believe that just the appearance or the presence of certain material in the book equals condoning it by the author. Like just the fact that it's there means that it's being like taught to you. They don't go to any other level of the material, which is like, what is the author saying about that content? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? What's the context? Right. So for example, there's a book. um, I don't know if you guys know this book or this author. It's a young adult author named John Green. And he wrote this book called Looking for Alaska. He writes novels for like high school age students. Um, They're very good. Very good. 
And he wrote this novel called Looking for Alaska. And there is that book is currently being challenged and banned all over the place, including in Florida. He's from my hometown of Orlando, actually. Um, It's being challenged and banned all over the place because there is a scene which is not graphically depicted, but this girl kind of gives a very half-hearted blowjob. Like it's, she doesn't even really give a blowjob. The, the, the narration is very clinical and unemotional and not graphic. It's like she put it in her mouth and then just like sat there and didn't seem to know what to do. And that's like kind of the entirety of the scene. And the idea, like what it's depicting in that scene is that like, they don't have like a close intimate relationship. And so this like sexual experience between them is like totally empty Mm. and like not um, passionate. It's not exciting. It's not till it. And then later the the narrator shares a kiss with another girl and it's described with like, in like electric language. And it's very, it's a girl that he really cares about. And it's like a very passionate scene, but it's just a kiss. Yeah. But these parents, they get hung up on the, you're teaching our kids pornography and our kids are reading pornography in the schools. And it's like, but okay, you're not, you're not taking any time to interpret what the author (laughs) is saying about that. So just like in this story in, in Donnie Darko, it's not, it's by no means is the author condone. Oh God. And flood people's houses. That's not what's being taught as she, it's ironic. On the other side of that is that that uh, Donnie and the the girlfriend had sex, but it was like mm-hmm. like a two minute sex scene, maybe. And they were well, like, do we even there. really see them having sex? I mean, it's no, not, like, but graphic. It, it's interpreted. But yeah, it's like it's just like communicated. But what what was the problem with that? You know, what do you mean? What's the problem with that? Sin, John. What <laughs> I said, it's a sin. It's a <laughs> well, so I read something that was like earlier. What um, Cunningham says is like uh, drugs, alcohol, and sex are yeah. like are leading our premarital all things sorry. we see Donnie do. Yeah. Well, he doesn't do drugs, but he smokes a cigarette, and then that kid goes, oh, yeah. This is good yeah. shit, isn't it? I'm like, Oh my yeah, god, yeah. he's like, It's a fucking cigarette. <laughs> yeah, that's some good shit. Yeah, you're right. Oh yeah. And so it's it's only after he so Donnie kind of does all three of those things, and then that's when like things come to a head. So I don't know. It's like suggested that he kind of falls from his grace or whatever after after he does those three things. He was such a he was like a troubled kid already. I feel like yeah. If anything, it's the opposite. He kind of finds himself. It's that a weird way so to find yourself in this time loop, sort of. <clears throat> facing death sort of way but I, I felt so sad for donnie i mean like throughout the movie just because he he was going through these experiences he was under hypnosis and like like oh man i just felt so bad. i love when he tells off cunningham yeah in front of the school and he's like i'm scared yeah you're right i have no idea what i want to be or what i want to do and it scares the shit out of me but you're the antichrist and they're like get this kid out of here <laughs> so i actually think there's a ton of like humor in this movie yeah there is yeah um, oh yeah but i i don't know people don't i don't feel like people talk about that very I, much like I, people I, don't talk about it as like, like a when, darkly when humorous Katie's, movie but i think it is when donnie first get in trouble and they're like the principal's like donnie what did you tell mrs what's her name farmer 
to do. And she's like, I'll tell you what he told me to do. He told me to insert the activity card into my anus. And then <laughs> and the, Johnny and the dad's all starts cracking up. Yeah. And he has to, call to like cover it up. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And I just love yeah. the whole relationship. Like the mom, she even gives Kitty shit during the book banning. She's like, Kitty, do you even know who Graham Greene is? Like, yeah. And she's, she's like, she's like, oh, uh, I wanted to touch on her too. It doesn't she play a good bitch, Mrs. Oh, Farmer? Awesome. She's awesome. Oh yeah, uh, she's been in some other so movies. So good. Too. Yeah, <clears throat> I hate that character. I love the line. She's her character is very like cartoonish and funny though. I think it's like a little bit of a caricature. But my favorite line of hers when is when she's like, "Rose, sometimes I seriously doubt your commitment to sparkle motion." Spark- yeah, <laughs> I know. And then right before that, she tells her. I would never dream of asking you of all the mothers as if like, yeah, (laughs) but I have no other choice. So I'm going to, it's like, yeah, that's a perfect way. Yeah. That's a perfect way to win someone over. Yeah. And then yeah, she delivers the, I seriously, seriously doubt your commitment. If if this movie came out today, this movie would hold up totally. I mean, I think so. Yeah. I think so. Oh yeah. I want to speak to your manager. <laughs> she's definitely a, a let me speak to your manager character for sure yeah, so, yeah I, I definitely think that yeah like this is like a tale of two fates sort of like the way mm-hmm. it's portrayed mm-hmm. um, i mean you can get super philosophical about it you can go down the rabbit hole like jim did but i don't know if the film doesn't lay all that out for you to do you kind of have to dig you know yeah. Just yeah. on face value the film is sort of about two fates of donnie and the lives that he kind of touches basically and how like i don't know his decision to sacrifice himself so that those lives can keep going i don't mm-hmm. necessarily sense. agree with that i think i think it lays it out there for you i mean like like what what donnie's going through and everything that's going on around him it's like pretty in your face no but i mean the extra stuff that jim's talking about with like the timelines and the like him being a possible Jesus metaphor, like all yeah. that stuff is yeah, extra. Or stuff him carrying sort of, the engine to yeah, the, yeah. He, what do they call him? The life, the light um bring what is it the, called? The living receiver. Yeah, and that's yeah. mentioned in one of the books too that they're they're reading, I believe, too, right? Yeah. In Sparrow's book. So like that stuff's that's, there, but it's not that's Sparrow's, yeah. Yeah, it's like there, and there's lore that you can get if you dig deeper after the movies come out. But I feel like just on a first watch, like you're not going to pick up on a lot of that stuff. Like, no, no. Well, so I, so I listened to the, the week that I was not on the show. It was our Suspiria episode, and I couldn't make it. Um, and Bob and Randy from Straight Chillin' were on the show, and Randy was talking about something. Uh, he was saying, you know, there's some movies that you don't like you're not meant to like sit there and try to figure every every little piece of logic out there are some yeah, movies that you just yeah well he was talking about Suspiria and comparing it to Lynch yeah. films that like that particular film and a bunch of Lynch most of Lynch films you can you're supposed to just kind of let it wash over you or at least he enjoys watching them that way just kind of letting them happen to you and mm-hmm. he likes to just experience them and not worry about putting together every little dot and just kind of um getting an instinctive feel for the movie and like what what your instincts tell you is is going on without you know worrying about every detail and so i feel like this movie can work on that level like if you don't do any kind of outside research or you know even spend too too much time like trying to 
piece it all together because there's a lot to piece together in this film I think and you could like drive yourself crazy I think trying to like oh yeah make perfect sense of all the pieces and make them all fit within the same logical explanation like you could drive yourself nuts doing that but you can do that or you can just kind of let it happen and have like an instinctive kind of response to it and so I think that's pretty rad that it can work both ways and I did read something that Richard Kelly said that he was like, so this, this kind of plays into why I was asking you guys earlier on about your interpretation of the ending. He said, um, he said the first 90% of this movie, however you interpret it is fine. It's totally open. I'm not going to take any interpretation away from anybody. He said, but the last 10% of the movie is like, I forget the words he used, but it's like, there's like a hard reality of the last 10%. And from what I read, he seemed to be insinuating that Donnie was not in fact dead. And, and there was some talk about like, oh, he was preparing to like open, open it up for like a, well, not a sequel because I already did a sequel, but like another sequel. I have never um, watched that sequel. There was like a strong, yeah, it was called S Darko, but I didn't see it either. But about his sister. Yeah. And so the, he 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 didn't come out and say it, but he definitely seemed to insinuate that Donnie was possibly not dead. Well, there is a body they show us, but like we're dealing with multiple timelines. So yeah, like right. the timeline where Donnie. For all we know, we could be in a uh, some separate universe like a third think we're watching the primary timeline and it turns out we were yeah. something yeah yeah hey, baby, love- have you heard anything along those lines because i was like what oh the the whole 90 90 10 percent that you're just talking about i i had glossed through and i picked that out of my my brain uh when i was looking for things before uh this cast but um i can't really elucidate on it any further than that uh I think that's interesting. And I, I like directors that don't have a problem with um, interpretations of their films. And I agree. Like I like watching this film face value, just like taking it in as an experience and not questioning it. Mm-hmm. But I do like also that there's other stuff there. If you wanted to fucking like nerd out on it, like, you know, some people are sports guys and they're stats guys. They like to, to like mm-hmm. dig in all that it's there if you want it. And if you want to go check all that kind of cool stuff out, just in a G whiz kind of way, I like that. I think that's cool. But I think after, and I've, I think I've gone all the way around and come back to point a of, I like this film as, as more of like an experience and just kind of having it wash over you instead of getting, and I don't like the two of the people that are very, I feel like some people are very precious about this film and then they, they're like, no, that you have to like. We need to talk about the fact that the the tangent universe and the primary. It's like that's not how I I like to think of this film because I I'm more of like a vibe like emotional type person and I like this because to like this film to me perfectly encapsulates like uh, the word melancholy and yes. like everything that that brings. Like this is like the perfect like uh counterpoint in that like like watching a movie and f- and feeling pure melancholy this is the movie for you if you like that kind of stuff absolutely um but yeah i i i i agree with randy like i remember him saying that and it's like there are there's some films where i like that like that that's to me that's the preferred way to experience that and i think that's how denny donnie darko was meant to be uh mm-hmm 
experienced or enjoyed. Well, well, and I think that people need to feel okay about that. Like, it's okay if you don't like immediately make sense of every, you know, line and synapse, like it's okay to just have an an experience and an emotional reaction to it and like intuit what the film is about. Yeah. Not having to prove it with charts and diagrams and shit. I don't think there's a distinct linear version of this film that goes from point A to point B perfectly. Like, and oh yeah, that's true. And with multiple viewings, yeah, you can get more out of it and you can do some more research if you want. But I also like John, you said, like, I think it's just a it's also just a good at face value, like a good teenage angst film with like an 80s lens through an 80s lens, you know, like with this extra sci fi sort of bent, mm-hmm. which is very different too. we don't see much like that. Right. And the thing was, is I didn't look at this with ambiguity of like, OK, well, this could have happened, but I just I, I felt sad at the end and it just. Yeah. It, it, there was closure for me at the end of the movie. And I went, God, that's sad. God damn, this was a great movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. really good at, at, at evoking that for sure. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't like, okay, I got to look at this another way of, you know, Donnie did this or Donnie did that. It was just sad. Well, I think that's okay. I yeah. think that's totally, I think that's a legitimate way to watch this movie. Like, I don't, I don't think, I don't, I don't think anybody should be like prescriptive about how somebody should, should be watching it. So I'm being prescriptive about not being prescriptive. <laughs> it's a testament too to just like the writing and um, mm-hmm. the, 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 the directing. This is Richard Kelly's first feature film. Uh, he wrote yeah. it. He's Pretty done shorts before. Yeah, very impressive. To, especially how the hell, but how the hell did a first time feature filmmaker get this cast? If you watch the documentary uh, on this, it's called The uh, Philosophy of Donnie Darko. It's mm-hmm. it's also on HBO, I think. It touches on a lot of the stuff where the, there's parts of this film that probably never should have happened. And that just kind of through circumstance, he was like, I got really lucky that they even gave me the enough money to make this film. It was mm-hmm. Jake Hall's one of his first roles. Like he was not. A, I remember his name sticking with me ever since this. I had never really heard of Jake Hall before this film. Yeah, I think before this, the only thing he had done was October Sky. Yeah, and Maggie hadn't even acted yet. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's wild to see their trajectory. Yeah. Both of them looked so young in this. I I felt like I'd gone through a time warp. Like, (laughs) Swayze, man. Swayze was, even though he plays like a horrible character, it's still great to see him on screen. He's got that charisma. Dude, Dude, he's so great in this film. Yeah, RIP. Yeah, seriously. I love that part when uh, uh, they're doing it's like the school assembly and he comes out and he's all good morning, you know, and he's talking the the director's cut or there's deleted scenes where, you know, he, he calls out each of those kids and that he talks more with them about their individual whatever's bugging them, like the the sister with the overweight. Uh, the girl with the overweight sister yeah. the kid who's like getting picked on and then the kid uh who's have doesn't know what he wants to do in life they expand on that instead of in the theatrical it's like a rapid fire cut mm-hmm. but um yeah that one kid when he's like what do i do when all these kids are trying to beat me up and he's all violence is an instrument of fear and he keeps <laughs> pounding over the head the whole love and fear and then but it's funny there's a quick montage that they play of his video and uh they're like oh we're so happy we met jim cunningham it's real quick and you'll miss it but um 
Swayze, like he bends down and he hugs one of the little kids uh, and he pats he pats him on the butt. Oh, kind of like oh, not in like oh, a sports way, like hey, nah, good game out there, nah. you know. But he like, and it's it's you know, blink and you'll miss it. But that's in the theatrical cut too. So yeah, yeah. Th- there's parts where in oh, in the direct, I hope it wasn't the, direct- the kid who wets the bed because he's got enough to deal with. I can't remember which kid it is, but. Um, it's it's in the director's cut there's a scene right there where uh the frank the bunny he he he's like watch closely you might miss something so that's what keyed me into it but that's not in the theatrical cut so it's super easy to miss that but yeah it's just a a tiny little nugget like foreshadowing you know like finding out he's his pederast because i like the i like the fact where donnie kind of finds his wallet yeah and he's like now you know that that's how he gets in the house Yep. Probably, right? Yeah. Well, he I'm holds on to so. the wallet and goes to the theater and then goes back to the house. I don't know, Jacqueline, if you have it in trivia, but did you know that Patrick Swayze's house, the scene where they show the, he's got a fucking painting of himself on the wall. That's yeah. actually <laughs> the same room that the uh, psychiatrist's office is. Oh, I they did not reuse, know that. Yeah, they wow. reused that same space for Swayze's. Because they made this movie on a low budget and they... You yeah, know, they had to to gorilla some of this shit together. Speaking of the therapist, you guys recognize that actress? No. She seemed really something about her, but I can't place it. That is Catherine Ross, and she played Elaine in The Graduate, and she played the wife in The Stepford Wives, the main character. Oh shit! Yeah, that's they said, right. and then she kind of retired for to take care of her family, like to be uh, yeah, um, right for a long so time. So she's married to that guy um, Sam with the mustache, and he does western stuff. Like, oh, uh, Sam Elliott. Oh, yeah, yeah. Elliott, the one she's who's married to him, and they both kind of Ew. like just didn't want to be part of the Hollywood scene. Like yeah. they, you know, they're actors, but they. They live out on like a ranch in Montana or something. So, they just don't want to be in Hollywood. So they're Richard, they're Richard Kelly and his producer, who he's like buddies with. They went out to that ranch to talk to her, to try and get her into this film because she had not done films in a long time. And they had their eye on her for this role. And she wanted the role. So she thought they came so that she could talk them into t- her letting her take the role. Oh. Meanwhile, they went there because they thought they were trying to talk her into coming on the role <laughs> and they had their wires crossed and they're like, wait a minute, wait, you want the role? Oh, you got, you got the role. Like we don't, <laughs> we came all the way <laughs> out here. Just sweet to talk, talk anybody into around yeah. here. Like you got it. <laughs> so yeah, it was cool. I guess That's awesome. I didn't script, know that. You like the part. Yeah. Beef. It's what, what's for dinner. I fucking <laughs> there is some beef cattle out there. I Dude, would be... do you have to curse so damn much? So damn much <laughs> there's, there's a, there's a Swayze connection there too. He played uh, Swayze's homeboy, he did. Bash, yeah. his bash brother in Roadhouse. Yes, he, yes, he did. Too. <laughs> I'd be remiss if I if I wasn't able to shoehorn Roadhouse and man. If this wasn't Swayze a horror podcast, I'd, I'd fit Roadhouse in there somehow and have you on, Jim. Oh, just, how, that's that's such a good movie. That's that's yeah. just a good time. I yeah. Uh, well, have we kind of wound down? I think we on did. This? I think we, we waxed his and... porpoise. I think it's pretty pretty waxy. <laughs> wait, oh, wait, wait, wait. Well, I got one more one more thing. I'm curious to hear what you guys thought of um, the the fat the overweight CIA slash FFA guy oh. in the red in the red tracksuit that's kind of yeah. sprinkled throughout the movie. What do you guys think of that? Did you like so that? I didn't know he was the FAA guy for a while until I just watched a video. I thought he was like a nosy neighbor type. So did I, you know, because they, they're in suburbia. Well, and he like seems so Halloween, odd. He does. Yeah. 
he seems so odd. And so for a while, I thought maybe he was kind of part of the similar delusion as Frank the bunny. And so I'm like, is this like an ominous? So he's like, like a man in black sort of. Yeah, I was like, yeah. is this an yeah, ominous, yeah, like yeah. slightly so non-real saying, figure? But maybe you're saying this guy was like a FBI guy. Yeah, he's in the group at the very beginning when the yeah. the, the jet engine comes down. He's with that pack of uh, people that say they're from the FAA, FAA but it seems like really they got the some weird shit going on. Yeah, because they talk about the serial number. They're like, it burned away mysteriously. And then the dad's like, yeah, they made they made me sign something where I can't talk about it. And then there's a couple hints, too, on like uh, the news newscasts throughout the movie. And you you can hear it in the background. They're saying they don't know where the jet engine came from. Like there wasn't a plane that it it could have uh, geographically made sense where it came off of. Yeah. So that's a part of the film that goes absolutely nowhere, and it doesn't have like that guy in the red tracksuit just watching them. It doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't mean anything to the film. But I remember watching it the first couple times. That part, seeing him, and he like flashes the the flashlight at him, and he's just sprinkled through in throughout the movie i i liked it because it was a little unnerving it was like oh shit is it it kind of hints is there some other weird like like you say like x files thing or some weird shit going on with the ffa and they know about the jet engine and like some weirdly some otherworldly stuff but it doesn't but it's just fun to kind of think about like what is that about why is that in there and he's wearing red too red's very prominent throughout the movie it was us that's what it was. He totally cocked <laughs> Don, um, Donnie from getting his first kiss from. Oh, yeah, that's true. But uh, just to touch on the dude, that's a that's a that's a humorous point too because he's like, "What? You don't want to kiss? It's not the right time. You want it to be special." And she's like, "Yeah." And that fat guy in the red tracksuit yeah, hands <laughs> over and he's just standing. He was, he was standing, smoking a cigarette. Like super close too, just staring. Yeah, yeah, like brazen. Yeah. <laughs> He likes to watch. Sorry, Nick. No, it's good. Uh, who's this Nick character? Yeah, I don't know. I'm kidding. I don't I know. Don't anyway, um, <laughs> also, just to touch on the jet engine, when they do the zoom in to the jet engine, and you see the centerpiece of the jet engine. Do you see what it is? It's, it's like a swirly or something, yeah. It's a swirly, like the kind of swirl that they to saw. to you, or the, book of the swirl that our timeline's doing, right? Our, Ew, that, our, the the yeah. time is looping. It looks because if you look at the wormhole, it does. It's not a straight tube. It's like two. It's spiraling around, okay. right? As if it spirals through time and it's like looping around, and then and then dropping into one certain spot, which is Donnie's bedroom. So I was always wondering, like, it's what the correlation. If it was just like a sort of Easter egg, that there's this. I'm like, dude, all jets have like a little spiral on the tip of them. Yeah, like they they like, do. They yeah, do. I don't. I hate to burst your bubble. Yeah, because no, cool. I remember. They when still I zoom first, in on it, like it still means they do, like they do, and I'm and after I found this out, I was like, it. why? What is the significance of them zooming in on that? Because the first couple times I saw this, I didn't know all jets have that on the fucking yeah. props, and uh, so I was like, oh, is this some kind of like weird, like funkadelic, like universe? This this like like killer clowns universe this thing <laughs> came from. That's what always made me think of like, oh, and then they zoom in on it. Like, yeah, this is weird. This isn't a normal jet engine. It's from like some different fucking plane of existence. But then I found out later, I was like, what? And I asked someone and they're like, yeah, they, they do that on all uh, engines. So, you know, the direction that the fan is going in or something to do you. with yeah, that. That makes sense. I think it was just kind of they zoom in for a little symbolism for the film, you know? Mm. Yeah. We'll and then that, like subsequent watching it, I'm like. But still, I'm like, why the fuck do they zoom in on it, though? 
Yeah, they know. really want you to see that. Yeah, yeah, they do. It. It's because this is a prequel to Killer Clowns from Outer Space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. The, the, the Killer Clowns EU. They're of equal uh, caliber. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really have my, the only other things I have are like small little tidbits about like anecdotes and things that are kind of funny and stuff, but yeah all right well you ready to go ahead and give our ratings yeah all right hydra berg you want to hit it uh yeah so like i love this film story i think it's so different and it stuck with me since i first saw it um my first viewing was with my mom i made her watch this film and she was just sort of like what'd you make me watch but (laughs) (laughs) She got me into the genre and like, so I just kind of, she was always open to like any film I threw her way, we would watch together. And, you know, sometimes she would be like, I don't know if I like that, but thanks for showing it to me. (laughs) So this was one of those films. Um, And just a side note, I remember seeing this, I didn't touch on it before, but the first time I saw about this film was an article in Maximum Magazine of all places. Maximum? Talking about a new, yeah, Maximum. It was a new horror movie and it just showed Frank and Donnie in the movie theater. And Donnie's looking back over his shoulder and there's this bunny character. And I'm just like, what is this film about? And that's when it first got kind of like in my mind of like, I need to see this film. (laughs) And so when it was on like HBO one night or whatever, that's when I made my mom watch it. And it's just always stuck with me. Uh, I think the performances are just like stellar. Uh, Gyllenhaal, especially for like a a new actor, I thought he kills it. You know, he's playing a kid similar, similar age and stuff like that. So I'm sure that's easy, but still he just, I don't know. It's very nuanced. I liked it. Um, I think, uh, Jenna Malone is really good also. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, I would have loved to see a little bit more of her because I just really liked her when she was on screen. I loved the chemistry between her and Donnie uh, and just the entire cast in general, like Maggie Gyllenhaal, the dad, the mom. Um, the mom is awesome. Like, just like, I just loved anytime she was on screen too. I just loved seeing it. Like, she took everything in stride and she was like a trooper. You could tell she was like one of those real strong fucking willed moms. Like, reminds me of my mom. Um, and just like even Patrick Swayze, RIP, like he just kills it in this film, too. Um, there's some beautiful filmmaking. Also, uh, you mentioned the cinematography earlier, John. I just think it's great. The set pieces are really well done like that. That, you know, anywhere America type town vibe. I just like that. Um, and there's just like some beautiful like lit scenes and the framing is really well done in a lot of them, especially for like a first time filmmaker. I know like he doesn't do all the photography, but. Uh, he definitely worked hand in hand with the um, the DP. Um, the costume design, I also think, is just really good. Uh, I think the like the school uniforms and everything is just really cool. Hold on one second. Some weird thing popped up on my computer anyway. Um, and I just like I don't know a lot of the the. Um, like like Frank's um, costume is just like super. Iconic. Yes. Like it's stuck with me ever since. It's just kind of, it's like disturbing in all the right ways. You know, it's like, yeah, it's just a bunny outfit, but there's just something so weird about it. And then when you see like the sketches of it and stuff like that, like it's just off, it's not fully symmetrical. One eye looks a little drooped almost. I don't know if that's like a semblance of like, cause Frank got shot in the eye or what, but um, I don't know. It's just, I love it. Uh, Surprisingly, we don't see a, a lot of people doing that costume on Halloween. So I'm surprised. Um, and like speaking of disturbing, I just think the the film's like a fun ride. Like it's it, I don't know. It's like a fine line, 
it's just like atmospheric. And also I just love like the eighties um, style to it. Like the teenage angst story. And I don't know. I just like, I didn't grow up as a teenager in the eighties, but I was born in the eighties and I was a kid during the eighties. And I just remember what it was like going to school in the eighties and stuff like that. And this film kind of really touches on a lot of those things. And it just definitely strikes a chord with me. And last but not least, the soundtrack is just, it's fucking dope. There's some serious hits on here and songs that like, I like I downloaded uh, Killing Moon after hearing it for the first time in this. I went online and found it on like Spotify at the time or whenever I like whenever I had Napster an app did that. Yeah, whatever it was <laughs> I had, I went and downloaded it because I was like, who are uh... these guys? This song's so, so good. Like it just all the songs are they set. They're set really well to their scenes. Like some I know the Tears for Fear scene is kind of built around that song. Um, some cons, like, although I love the story and how it makes me think. I know it could be a negative to people, especially on a first time watch. Like it's kind of convoluted at some points. And it's just uh, um, I could see people being turned off and not having as like a huge mass appeal because of, you know, it doesn't give you a linear storyline. And to me, that's not an issue. Like, I like the fact that it doesn't have 100 percent closure. Like, I don't it's not that type of film. You know, we get to see what happens to Donnie at the end. But why did he do what he did? How why did what happened? Like, we don't really know. And I feel like it's great that a film gives you that ambiguity to pick at. You know, not every film can do that well. And I feel like this film is pretty good in that aspect. Um, I don't think it's it's not like it may be convoluted, but it never got like sloppy to me in in my opinion. So and time traveling movies are just they're tough to nail. I mean, it's a hard genre to even nailed down so i give kudos to a first-time filmmaker for that and just like i don't know personally i just i love this film i think it i've loved it since the moment i saw it so with that said i gotta give 2001's donnie darko nine out of ten cellar doors oh nice nice right nice rating and nice unit of measurement we didn't really touch on the cellar door i didn't put it in my reach around for a reason so okay well we got it in there so that's good. Uh, G baby, you want to give us your rating? Um, yeah. And I, I think I pretty much agree on every point, uh, you made about this one, Hyderberg as well. Um, I, when you talked about the, the cinematography, like one of my favorite shots is I'm just kind of a sucker for like marquees in general, but when they yeah. go to the uh, Halloween, the Halloween Frightmare double feature and it pans down from the top, down and you see the it's the arrow theater which i looked up it's in uh santa monica which i guess they shot a lot of this around la santa monica santa clarita um but that shot of that marquee is just so dope and like it captured to me that puts me in like halloween mood because they have the double feature they have evil dead and i can't remember what the second film is uh the uh Um, the temptation temptation of the christ last yeah last temptation of christ there you go um yeah, I just I love the vibe of that scene in particular. We didn't talk about it during the uh, the the main show, but yeah, I love everything about it. Soundtracks on point. The acting is done like especially for younger actors who they were able to get. First time director. Um, I will give this. I'll give this nine point five tangent universes. Oh shit! Out of ten. So just wow. a quick aside. Uh, during that documentary, they do mention while filming that scene with the marquee and Evil Dead up on the marquee, Sam Raimi happens to live not far from there and just coincidentally was driving by 
and stopped when he saw his movie on a marquee and he was just wondering like that's odd like what is my movie doing up there and he stops by and realizes they're filming a movie and oh was, shit like, that's Kelly awesome was, like, super like enthused that he like even saw him and that he gave it like his blessing so like that was just that's like, a dope. little side moment that happened yeah that I may have a slightly conflicting story in trivia. Not that my version okay. is like definitively correct, and no, maybe not, but just a slightly con- conflicting account of of Sam Raimi's involvement. But uh, okay, all right. So we got a nine from Hydra Berg and a nine point five from G Baby John. What say you? Oh boy, uh, what is it? The Iron Doors, Cellar Door, or Tangent Universes? Okay. Uh, the acting was dope in this movie. Um, like I said at the beginning, it's one of those movies where it's just, I cannot believe I did not watch this movie before. It was so good. Um, uh, I'm going to go a nine out of 10. Uh, let's pick something different. Uh, Jake Dylan Hall's. <laughs> wow, real original, John. Thanks. <laughs> Nine out of ten, Jake Gyllenhaal's. He, he's awesome in this movie. Yep. Okay. He did. Right. I mean, hey, he yeah. was so good in this movie, by the way. So yeah, he was one of my favorite films with him, honestly. Yep, absolutely. But uh this movie, I I could watch over and over again. It was- Maybe you have already, and you just don't realize it. <laughs> Uh, you're, in my time, brain. you're in a time loop yeah oh wait i have seen it once like six thousand times <laughs> how about you jacqueline how are you feeling about this movie um i mean you guys have kind of said it all I'll, I'll be brief um like you guys i think the acting on all by all parties is stellar um the cast is just phenomenal like i cannot believe that's such an amazing cast signed on for a first time feature director. That's just like unreal to me. Um, I love every single character's performance in this, even Patrick Swayze. Like it's a, she's it's such like a, <laughs> through the trees. Uh, you know, he's such a, a like recognizable stereotype of like the, the inspirational speaker, or sometimes it's like a religious figure then you discover that they have these dark dark secrets and they're really just a hypocrite all along it's like a little bit satisfying to see him get his comeuppance and um i love it hydroberg i totally agree with what you said about how you feel like some people could feel that this was a little convoluted but for you it was tight enough to to still be enjoyable and not feel like a mess i agree with that it it doesn't it doesn't like bleed over the boundary of like cohesive enough for me to enjoy you know um just reading rotten tomatoes a little bit it sounds like if anybody has any complaints about it the main complaint seems to be that like it's a little convoluted and a little messy and they have trouble kind of putting it together which i think is a valid criticism like i can see how people could feel that way for me it's together enough that it that it works so it doesn't it doesn't try my patience in that in that way it's still really enjoyable for me i love movies that you can have multiple interpretations of i love movies that you can chew on for hours and weeks and years even with this one 
after viewing it, you know, that you can still get something new every time you watch it. Like, I think I've maybe seen it three or four times, but a lot of the stuff that you guys said, especially UG baby, a lot of that, like the fan theories and some stuff that was in the director's cut, I haven't ever seen the director's cut. So some of that was just new. Those were new concepts for me. And so it kind of makes me want to watch it again in a different yeah, way, me too. And, you know, and look up some of the stuff on my own and find the director's cut and look up fan theories. So, um, it's, it's the gift that keeps on giving, mm-hmm. um, a couple of small points that I wanted to mention. Uh, one small con is that I can't believe that Donnie willingly sacrificed part of Evil Dead to come yeah. set the house on fire. Like, <laughs> God damn, wait until it's over. Let her keep I sleeping or something. But you don't, you don't skip out on Evil Dead. What's wrong with you, boy? I'm like, what world is it that Donnie didn't leave to watch Evil Dead? Because well, they, sh- yeah, they only showed the, yeah, they showed the car and the uh, what gate slamming. That's all they should. Yeah, the, the, yeah the, like the the por- the porch swing. Yeah, and then and then he comes back and it's like near the end. I'm like, dude. Also, what girl falls movie. asleep at the very beginning of Evil Dead? <laughs> dump her, dump her. Yeah, kick her to the curb. Better get run over for a while. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So Donnie. yeah, but that was just a little like, like, oh no, Donnie, don't skip out on Evil Dead. You're missing Evil Dead. Give also, her the tree. <laughs> Oh, well, let's not go that far. That's That's harsh. But um, another thing, this is like a kind of, I think nowadays this is an obscure reference. I think back in the day, I don't, I think it was better known. There is a movie from, I think around 1950 called Harvey. Do you guys know this movie? You know Harvey? Yeah. I've never seen it, but I know about it because my mom loved it as a kid. Okay. So it stars Jimmy Stewart. Oh, the Harvey. Yes. Yes. You know this? Yeah. So it stars Jimmy Stewart (laughs) as this kind of like down on his luck guy. And he has these like kind of, he's like kind of mentally disturbed. And um, I I haven't seen it either. This is just what I know of it. So you guys correct me if I, if I'm wrong, but um, he's like down on his luck and he sort of conjures this imaginary friend named Harvey and it's a giant bunny. Yeah. And so it seems like there's some striking parallels between that story and this story. I think the movie might have been based on a play. I'm not sure. But um, it seems like maybe some of these elements were taken for this movie. I'd be surprised if it were totally coincidental. It's his confidence, just like. Richard Kelly says he doesn't know why it was a bunny. He sort of just ended up picking a bunny. But there are bunnies used in the the story that they're going Mm -hmm. through in class. Mm. Oh yeah, watership down. Blowing smoke yeah, and not want to tell down. why he really picked the bunny. Maybe it wasn't influenced from some, a movie like Harvey. I mean, even subconsciously, like maybe that's a movie that Richard yeah. Kelly knew, and he was like, yeah, "Ah, it should pop. be a uh, bunny." You know, yep. maybe that's it. Would kind of Absolutely. sprang from his subconscious. I don't know, but I just noticed there was a parallel. Um, so I don't know if that's anything, but it's yeah, just a couple of notes I forgot to make during the during the discussion, but. Uh, I, I think this is a great movie. It has high rewatch value. I think it's a classic, a mo- like a modern classic. It really stands up. Side note, Joey loves this movie. Oh, shit. Oh, nice. He really awesome. loves this movie. So he watched most of it. I get a 10 from me now that Joey loves this movie. <laughs> so he watched most of it with me um, over the weekend. So that was I pretty cool. 10 out of 10 to- Joey's. <laughs> <laughs> so I, but I get so- guru. I don't have anything, you know, original to add. So I give this movie 
nine out of ten sparkle motions. Yes. Nice. <laughs> no, no, notorious. <laughs> Dude, that song's a banger. I went out too, and I I've been listening to a couple of the songs <laughs> on on my Spotify. I know that, that not- song from Biggie Smalls. Before I yeah, know. I did. I did too, and I was like, "Oh shit!" He sampled it for a Duran yeah. Duran song, and I, I'm a I'm a huge mark for Duran Duran. So most likely, uh, Puff did. P Diddy, yeah. as he's known on the streets. Yeah. Oh, as he's known on the streets. What is your street name, Hyderberg? That's it, right? Hyderberg. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> With Padres. Oh, you mean that's no, not I your just given don't name? Care, like that your team won. You probably didn't even like that team until like a week ago. Anyway, like oh, oh kiss my ass. <laughs> let's not, not let's fan? not sling insults, fellows. Welcome to Sportscast, where we oh, talk God. sports. Hey, how about some sling. trivia, guys? Absolutely. Yes. yes. Yeah. There's a lot, so I am just gonna kind of cherry pick a few interesting things. Um, at the rap party for the film, Seth Rogen and Jake Gyllenhaal agreed that they had no idea what the movie was about. <laughs> <laughs> So I love that. That's great. This was around the Freaks and Geeks time, right? Was when it? Seth Rogen, yeah. Freaks and Geeks. Yeah, it was. was it? Oh, early yeah. 2000s. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, I think because that was like 99 or 2000, I think. So yeah, he, he'd just done that and then he followed it up with this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of sports, well, since we're turning this into a sports podcast, <laughs> um, writer and director Richard Kelly came up with the idea for the future blobs, you know, that kind of like extends yeah. from the Chester belly and show like the intended path uh, while watching football. John Madden used to show a telestrator where he'd diagram a paused video to show where the players were about to go moments before letting the tape roll. Kelly watched this while high and started to think about <laughs> started to think about what would happen hypothetically if someone upstairs was doing that to humans. Fittingly enough, Donnie first notices the future blobs while watching football. He does. <laughs> it's the Super Bowl, I think, too. Here's oh, the circle. Right. You yeah. need to go around you know, this I don't way. know when they when go around this way, away. and then we're good. And that's football. Bam. <laughs> yeah. uh, actually, if I had one gripe, it's when the thing turns into a hand and like gestures. Yeah, and, and beckons. That's kind of dumb. That doesn't hold up. No, it doesn't. Yeah. That's very Ghostbustery yeah, sort of. The CGI was not good in this movie. Just the tube coming out was yeah was okay. But you know, it was no, 2001, it was... so I don't you yeah. know they probably oh, did, no. it was. Yeah, it was on a small budget. It was a very small budget. It's probably the best they could afford at that time. And I know it's going to look crappy 20 years later. Still look bad. Sorry. Okay. Uh, In the movie theater scene. So this is my slightly conflicting account of Sam Raimi's involvement in the movie theater scene. Richard Kelly originally intended to have Donnie and Gretchen going to see Chud. Yeah, I do know that. Wow. Really? Yeah. However, there were problems with finding out who owned the rights to the movie. So finally, Sam Raimi came to the rescue by allowing Kelly to use and distort footage from Evil Dead free of charge. See, I, in the documentary, I thought they mentioned someone else that knew that was affiliated with the movie was able to get it for oh. him, not mm. Sam Raimi directly. But maybe maybe I misheard it. I love it because to- they didn't show any of that movie. It was just the car and there was the. Uh, yeah. The- the, but he was able to use yeah, the posters and everything also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He wouldn't be able to use yeah. either. Yeah, it was supposed to be Chud. Oh, man. That's cool. And that I, that makes sense, too. That's like the best person for that scenario, too, because Sam Raimi was on such a he, he was such a DIY gorilla, yeah. like and did Evil Dead like on less than no zero. Budget. 
Yeah. Like, so yeah, that's, that's like the perfect like counterpoint to, to, to find for your first flick and like, Hey, can you help me out? And like, do this springboarded like his career. Right. So. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And I Tim like Raimi is such a good Samaritan. Well, and again, you saw the movie. It was just the car, and there was the fence begging, and that's all it was. It was Raimi, like, the true superhero of the film. Yeah, but then they do distort it by like the screen, kind of like the kind of whole kinds of op- kind of opens up in the screen. Yeah, so it's not just showing a clip. It's like you got it. They're like fucking it up. So. Yep, for sure. Um, I'm sure you guys noticed like bunnies all over the place. Like there's a jack-o'-lantern carved into a rabbit and then there's like a stuffed oh, animal rabbit in the living room. You guys didn't notice those? Mm. Yeah. When um, Donnie goes to talk to Elizabeth and she's like, I got into Harvard. They're standing on opposite sides of the counter and right between them, there's a jack-o'-lantern carved into like a bunny. I mean, oh, there's crazy. a deleted scene of them carving pumpkins together. Yeah. And he carves he Frank's carves face yeah. into the Jacqueline, which was sick, by the way. And she but... goes, that's fucked up. And he goes, is it, like, is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, he's not in touch with sort of like what, is what other people think is weird. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's like a stuffed animal in the living room, a little bunny. Um, I did see it. that. Yes. Yeah. Is that what he's when he's grabbing to when he's uh talking to yeah, the is psychiatrist actually. and he's crying he's got it yeah I think I, it is that was that what he's got i didn't I think even know so that part makes me laugh too in kind of a morbid way when he like looks up and he sees him and he's like he's here right now yeah and he sounds like a, he's got that voice that little kid voice when he's hypnotized yeah. he's like a little kid yeah when he's it's hypnotized. Sad. He's yeah. talking about like, oh, I wanted hungry, hungry hippos. <laughs> yeah, you get it for me. <laughs> and then the and then the therapist is like, how did that make you feel, you feel being denied yeah. these, hungry, these hungry, hungry, hungry hippos? hippos. <laughs> I love that. Oh my god, very serious. <laughs> uh, okay, so while filming the scene where, while filming the scene where Kitty Farmer speaks about how Donnie directed her to put a lifeline exercise card in an uncomfortable place, writer and director Richard Kelly laughed so hard he had to leave the set. <laughs> she was so good. She was so good. Because Hydroberg, you did a good imitation. Cut is like you don't know she's in the room, and the, and the principal was like Donnie, what did you say to Mrs. Farmer? And then the right. camera pans. She's like, I'll tell you what he said. Yeah. <laughs> Um, on the set of Charlie's Angels in the year 2000, Drew Barrymore and Richard Kelly agreed that her production company, Flower Films, would produce this film for $4.5 million and that Barrymore would play Miss Pomeroy. Kelly says that if Barrymore hadn't stepped in, the movie would have either gone straight to video or cable television via stars. Wow. Yeah. Really? You know what I have so to Drew say Barrymore that, right? is like kind of responsible for getting this out of the theaters. In the That's year awesome. 2000. That's when this in the year 2000. <laughs> that's it. That's Dude, I love that. I love oh, that. Bit. I love that they kept doing oh. that bit years after. Uh, <laughs> Brian is the shit, by the way. Yeah. Dude, when Jack Jack Black would come on for those, would they be so oh, funny? Yeah. Like, we will all be traveling in tubes in the year 2000. <laughs> Man, did you ever see the one with Mr. T? No. Oh, look it up, bro. Look it up. Oh man, I I have to now. Anyway, sorry, Jacqueline. Sorry. Uh, the original advertising material featured a crashing plane, but it opened mm, so close to September eleventh, two thousand and one, oh, yeah. that naturally all of that marketing was pulled. So the film tanked at the box office due to lack of advertising, and they also had trouble even marketing it in the first place because it was hard to figure out like what it was, like what is the genre? It's kind of a bunch of things, and yeah. who is it for? And 
So it was just kind of a marketing nightmare. And then and September 11th, they had to pull, yeah, they had to pull most of their um, posters and things. So it gained its audience when it was released on DVD, becoming a runaway hit and attracting cult attention. So thank goodness for that, at least. In the year 2000. And the studio <laughs> apparently asked him to do the director's cut and so they could re-release it. Mm-hmm. Like 15 I years saw, later, I think. Yeah. I think it was like 2016 or so. Yeah. Does that sound right? Yeah. 17, something like it's that. It's definitely a cult classic. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it totally tanked at the box office. So uh, well out of his teens, Vince Vaughn reportedly turned down the part of Donnie due to his age. Thank God. Woof. <laughs> Thank God. Mark Wahlberg was interested in the part, but apparently was only willing to play the part with a lisp. With his shirt off. I guess that was the hill he yeah. was going to die on. Oh, come on. God. Thank God. Jason Schwartzman was also strongly considered yes. for Donnie, but dropped out due what? to scheduling conflicts. He was actually Damn. supposed to be Donnie before Jake Gyllenhaal, from what I understand. Mm. Really? Yeah, That's he, crazy. He dropped out, so yeah. they must have had to... Uh, some people actually signed on because they thought they were going to be doing a movie with uh, with him. Damn. Yeah. I'm... I'm- I'm a big Schwartzman fan, but I I couldn't see him in this. I'm glad they got Gyllenhaal. Yeah, it's perfect casting, I think, with Gyllenhaal. Um, Tim Robbins was the first choice for the role of the dad, but I love the actor who plays the dad. So do I. I'm into it. Yeah, he hasn't been in much, but I remember him just distinctly from that thing you do. The dad Mm. in that thing you do. He's awesome in that, too. He's like that rare on-screen dad that you would just like kind of wish like i wish that was my dad you know what i mean like for a moment <laughs> you know you love your dad like like uncle phil right like uncle yeah, phil yeah, like yeah. you're like i love uncle phil you know yeah who doesn't love uncle phil yeah so it's like yeah. just one of those moments where you just sort of like yeah, yeah he's great sure it comes uh, across too when the uh when the mom's like your son just called me a bitch and he's like he's like you're not a bitch he's like you're you're bitching but you're not I a love bitch. that. That was so cute. That was like yeah. a nice little <laughs> marital flirtation moment. I yeah. Sweet. yeah. I remember that. Uh, real quick, you guys, uh, the the actress who plays Samantha, the little sister, um, mm-hmm. Devay Chase, you guys know her horror cred? Oh, yep. yeah. She's, uh, she's uh, what's her name in The Ring? Yeah. Samara. Oh, she's Samara? She plays Samara. Samara in The Ring. Oh, yep. Shit. Yep. That's, that's Devay Chase. Uh... She's hot, by the way, now. She's like, oh, I was like, I was, I, I'm glad you said <laughs> now. No, no, I mean, she's like 35 years old now. So. Okay. No, she can't be that old. She's she a lot younger than I am. I'm 40. She's not. John, you're not a motivational speaker, are you? <laughs> is that our new euphemism for like a uh, child on. molester? <laughs> hold, motivational on. Speaker? hold on. Roadhouse. Oh, <laughs> oh I thought you were going to hit us with a He-Man. Roadhouse. Oh, Skeletor. <laughs> yeah. oh, it's been a while. Since oh, back to your man. Oh, yeah. oh, my God. We're this off again. We're off I'm sorry. I took us there. <laughs> oh, Lord. That's how you oh, know Jim's oh. a fan of the show, though. He's listened to that episode. He knows. He knows. I, I'm not caught up. Oh, I'm embarrassed to say, but yeah, that was that was a fun one. Okay, he man. Great episode, just to, <laughs> just the cast. Those boys yeah. are fun. Oh, so good. Um, yeah. That's pretty much it for trivia. There, I mean, there's a lot more I could say, but I, you know, I, I got some good um, tidbits. I think. I just want to give a quick. Um, if you did enjoy our discussion tonight, I think you should really check out the takes video. It's a breakdown of Donnie Darko and its ending. It's on YouTube. 
the YouTuber is called The Take. And um, maybe we could post a link in the show notes or something. Uh, and shout out mm-hmm. to Seth from Bean Dub Podcast for sending me that link. He, oh, that's he's, right. He's a fan of this movie. Oh, and, and oh nice. Kelly. Yeah. And he was like, I was like, yo, I kind of want to do a little bit of a deep dive, but I don't like to do too much because I don't want to regurgitate somebody else's opinion either. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm always right. really doing too much of a deep dive into a movie. But he was like, check out this one video. He's like, I promise you, when I got into this movie, I kind of did a deep dive and this was a really good video. Nice. So, yeah. Awesome. Shout out to Seth for that. Thanks. Nice. Dub podcast. Yeah. He's got a good show, too. Yeah. Yeah. They got All a right. good vibe going. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have I have one quick hitter of trivia. Oh, yeah, yeah. If Please. you guys don't mind. So I guess maybe not even trivia. This is just kind of something to think about that I saw online. So I'm just mimicking that. But uh, I saw somewhere they uh, someone pointed out the to key in on the gal's name, the the uh, the main bitch lady, Mrs. Oh, Farmer. Farmer mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And her name's Kitty. Which sounds like Kitty, like K I D D Y, Kitty oh. Farmer, and like oh. maybe there's like some like you know why she rushes up to Patrick Swayze's defense, you know, right away, and mm-hmm. she's like, you know, maybe they have something going on because they talk about the 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 child pedophile ring. What if she was in on that, and then like that's like a if she was using Sparkle Motion as a front to get yeah, the, and that that's like the hypersexualization of the children, and yeah, oh, she was wow. selling them to very Ed uncomfortable. McMahon. She was selling yeah. them to Ed McMahon on um, what, what Star, Search. Star Search. <laughs> yeah, how the hell yeah. did that get three and a half stars on Star Search? That little dance routine the that they did. Ugh. Yeah, that was. Whack. I think. I think they probably tightened up those moves a little bit by the time they got to that. I certainly hope so. Yeah, because Samantha Darko was a little sloppy. I got to be honest. She was. She was a little yeah, behind everybody little else. Behind. But yeah. also, part of the that same is kind of snap. That others. song was. That scene was actually filmed to a different song. And mm-hmm. Yeah, the rights mm-hmm. to that song. Yep. They filmed yeah. it to a song, an NXS song, I think. Right. Yeah, I can't. What they lost the, the rights the to it. Song. Hold they, on, I might have. They're not allowed to pay more money for one song over another like they couldn't pay an astronomical amount for one artist and then only give like duran duran a certain amount of money for their song so oh like, yeah it was west out. it was west end girls by the pet oh, shop right. no oh, way oh my god yeah. so they had to recut the scene and still use that music that like they basically the girls danced to that music so that's why this time watching it, it, I was like, dude, I really, I remember a lot about this film. I was like, I don't remember Notorious. And then it being a Duran, because this is the first time I learned that was a Duran Duran song. Yeah. So I was like, that's weird. But now, yeah, it makes sense that that was different. Just like the, the beginning, well, the Bunny Man. It felt very pervy because you had that one girl that was like sitting there, like writing her notes on a notepad. Well, she was the woman who was, I think she worked for Star Search. Yeah, she's like she's the mystery woman. Some people point out as like another version of like like a red herring or like she's there a, when like they the, announce that they're going I, to see Ed McMahon. It, it felt very pervy, like the way she was right. Like, I think she was just she took off her glasses. She show. was like, "Oh yeah," <laughs> I was like, "Oh, that's." But weird. um, yeah, I think Kitty was mainly just a hypocrite, and she wasn't able to come to grips with the fact that she's been backing a fucking pedophile this whole time. Sure. Right. She's yeah, in she's in complete denial. Yeah. yeah, which is a, a there's plenty of real people like that in the world. So, right. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Jacqueline goes. Yes. Yes. True story. Absolutely right. Anyway, I agree. All right. <laughs> well, <laughs> fellas, I think this was a really fun discussion, and I think you know we got some good stuff out of it. I, I mean, 
we could talk about this for days but um yeah but I, I like where we left it you know i mean not enough time to untangle every single little possibility but you know i think we hit some good stuff so i know i enjoyed myself with you guys me too yeah totally yeah thank you guys for having me on again i really appreciate it thank you hey baby man we appreciate you so much thank you're you. a great guest i, you and great I actually have a film i want to have you on for again in a little while i'll talk to you <sighs> off, uh, off camera Sweet. Yeah. yeah. I'm down anytime. You guys, you guys put on a great show and it's a lot of fun. Thank you. Well, thanks, man. Well, Johnny, it's yes, your pick next you. week to continue our Halloween uh, month of, of horrors. So what is your pick for next week? Isn't it obvious? Something we haven't talked about before. Halloween three season of the witch. Ooh. What? <laughs> It's the That's season awesome. of the witch. How does everyone feel about Halloween 3? It's universally loved, right? Absolutely. The horror community uh, loves this film. They're not divided at all about it. Zero. Yeah. No. Whatever will we talk about next week? <laughs> John, do we have a special guest? We do. And uh, I'm just trying to set that up. But uh, okay. we'll, we'll worry about that later. But uh, right. yeah, Halloween... <laughs> season halloween three next week um do we know if it's streaming for free anywhere uh actually yeah i believe i thought i watched it somewhere recently but i could be wrong and no i think i rented it okay i I mean i saw saw it in the theater like a week ago or two weeks ago oh that's right you did didn't you and then i watched it again when i got home and i think i rented it well i'm sure everybody can find it if nothing else it's on amazon you know to rent, but um, shouldn't, well, shouldn't be too I, hard to find. I, I'm hoping Joe. It's on Peacock. Oh, it's on Peacock. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Cool, cool. And then everything else, I think uh, you have to pay for it. I'm hoping Joe Joe Bob uh, covers it on his. He's album. never going to cover it. <laughs> I don't. I think. I think we can't hold our breath. On I that. think. But Darcy is trying. Darcy She's trying. Is trying. God bless her. Yes. I think they're always going to make us think that they're going to cover it, and they're never going to. It's just like a red herring. Like they're just going to keep pulling the rug from under us. Mm-hmm. Well, shit. Well, Speaking we, of which, I, a few weeks ago, a bunch of us uh, straight chilling listeners and participants uh, had a nice little meetup in in Jacksonville to see Joe Bob at uh, the Sunray Theater. So that was pretty rad. Nice. A couple yeah. of us watched a Shutter. Um, what was it? An exclusive uh, Shutter. What was it? A uh, preview, Jim? Yeah. Da- what was it? Dark Last Glasses. Weekend. Yeah. All right. By Mario Argento. Argento. Dark Glasses. Argento's the new. Had yeah. was better than the movie, but the movie was wasn't like awful. But was it new? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. his newest film. It hasn't been released yet. Wow. Yeah, they did like a they sneak peek. A night. Yeah. I heard it was pretty middle of the road, but it was. I, I only yeah. caught the, like the tail end of it. Ugh. All right. Well, fellas, it's been real, or has it? I don't know what universe we're in. <laughs> but anyway, next week it will be also real as we cover Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Uh, so it sounds like you can find that on Peacock, or if you don't have Peacock, you can rent on Amazon. So yeah. looking forward to it, guys. In the meantime, if you'd like to email us, you can send us any and all thoughts at a cut above horror review at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at cut above horror. You can follow us on Instagram at a cut above one word dot horror underscore review. Gee, baby, where where can we find you, buddy? Uh, you can find uh, Waxing the Porpoise anywhere you get your podcast. Just look us up on the Internet and you'll find us. Uh, and then just Waxing the Porpoise on Instagram or Twitter. You'll find us, too. 
Be careful I mean, Googling, waxing the book because <laughs> you might come up with something. It might not be safe for work. Good point. Good point. We don't want anybody to have any problems with their superiors. Yeah, maybe. Work. Yeah, use a separate browser. You don't want your wife saying that kind of stuff. Yeah, use use brave use the brave other. browser. <laughs> we're, we're on the cut above colon horror review. Thank you so much for all the reviews that we've gotten on uh, iTunes and Spotify. Thank you. All right. Well, fellas, I'll see you back here. Well, not you, G baby, but I'll see you on the Slack, right? Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you other two uh, clowns. I... Clowns? <laughs> Whoa. John, she's going to punch you. I know. Punch in the clown. <laughs> right. Bringing it back full circle like a time loop. Yep. Look at her. She's losing. Oh, Lord. I will see you two next week talking about Halloween three and keep it creepy. Cellar door.